Yo, homeboy! Welcome to the hood, brother! Okay, guys, pod's over. Fez is sundowning. How you feeling, Fez? What? Huh? huh? <laughs> okay, we want to hit you with a few things to start because it's a lot of freebie stuff here. One, this isn't the freebie stuff, but we got a kickoff coupon. We talk about it a little later. This one is, is easy. Kickoff, that's it. And it's 20% off anything. Now's the time to buy. We talk about that later if you're going to buy. It's the cheapest now, and you get the kickoff coupon. Number two, we have the simulated super contest up at pregame.com. You go to pregame.com, you hit contests, you enter, and you get a simulated five picks a week. And the winner, there's what do they give it? I think it's fifteen hundred or a thousand cash or an entry into next year's real contest. The winner gets. There's second place. There's third place. There's all. There's, I think there was a beat. Uh, um, Beat the hitman thing. There's all kind of like ways to win money. Five hundred if you beat the hitman. Yeah, five hundred win the contest. Think everyone bonus. doesn't get five hundred that beats the no, hitman. No, no, the winner gets five hundred. Bonus five hundred if they also beat the hitman. There you go. So there's all kind of ways, and you know what? It's all ever or mother effing free. I think is the way to say it. I was using something a little different there. What I mean is, there's not one dollar. All you got to do is register, and that's free. Right, so you go hit contest, and you know what? You can see how you do against us, because we're going to be picking effectively the same. This is actually more flexible. You don't have to make all five picks at once, so you can make your picks at any point during the week. You just got to have five by the end of the mm. week. So it's even better than the super contest, because it's got computers behind it, and it's free. And it's free, which mother, also makes it better. It's actually mother effing free. Mother effing free. Hey, right? if it's free, it's for me. And think about it. Let's be candid. You dream about being like the moneymaker dude, right? Which is he had a little $30 satellite. He won that, and he kept rolling it over. You win here for free. You enter next year's contest in which we not only provide the 1500 but I guess this year it's 1000 and we provide the proxy, a free proxy where we will put the picks in for you. And then let's say you get in the money there. You don't even win it. You get in the money. Then you take that money, enter other contests, and who knows what? You're a professional gambler before you dodge You dodged the raindrops for 17 <laughs> weeks, and you come out the champion. Like you did twice, Steve. Twice. All Actually, right. five times, but... You didn't win the Super Contest five times. Yeah, but I won three other contests. It, that, that is meaningless. You right. are now stepping on your, the thing that makes you great. Because you know what? How many other people have two Super Contests? Zero. How many other people have five kind of nice... Oh, yeah, there was 18 people once in this $500. Uh, how many have that? Three or four. Yeah, more than zero, right? Yeah. So which one do you want to accentuate? Number one, baby. What would you be without me? I know where you'd be. Wouldn't it be that same house? Let's just say that much. In, in, in my parents' attic somewhere. No, 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 no. You'd be doing... <laughs> No, you'd be doing fine. Sorry, Todd. Just not near, <laughs> just not near as good as you would. True or false? True. You see that, right? I see that. All right. Any any questions from you, AJ? No, mother effing free. How do you think the con how do you think the pod went? I thought it was strong. We started out with ambitions of an hour. I I knew ten minutes in that those ambitions hey, were listen, foolhardy. It's always easy to be the pessimist. Hey. Oh look, we won't balance the budget next year. Okay, <laughs> I mean, oh look, someone's going to die in that war. Yeah, it's going to mm -hmm. happen. But I'm the one thinking. You know, there's a saying, and I'll leave us with this: I'd rather try to light a candle than curse the darkness. I like that. On to the show. Whatever. 
one picks. It's that simple, baby. And we got a new little format. We're calling it the Hour of Power, long discussed. It's in practice today or the Power Hour. I haven't decided yet. By the way, I won't decide. It will just be that one or the other in perpetuity. Just let you know, you'll be on the inside if you heard this. This is a big, now what is the Hour of Power? It's pretty simple. We're going to go through the games and give you the picks in about an hour. Now, let's be realistic. It's going to be about an hour, 10 or 12, but that's fine. Then you can get all the picks that really matter there. Now, typically, we're going to have a follow-up pod that we identify topics we want to discuss during the hour power. We put a pin in them and we discuss them at length later for those that enjoy the deeper dive. This week, we're not going to do that, and here's why. Fez did a separate podcast about this week about contest. When to play, opportunities. Is that fair to say? Exactly. Overlays, priorities, when to submit picks, the whole shebang. That's out right now in your feed. It should have been the podcast before this one, okay? What was the title of it? Fezic Focus Pod. Okay, so what you probably want to do is make each pod name have some uniqueness to it and then have the generic thing at the end. So, like, it'd be like contest uh, tips dash Fezic Focus. And that way, it's like it entices people. Got it. Right? That makes sense. Um, but we, we have two long, long previews that I think are chock full of the best information we've ever, you know, as good as information as we've ever had. Not too long. But it's long. No, I didn't say long. I said, said long. You said long. They are long. Long. Like it was like exasperatingly no, long. No, it's I'm frustrated because I just worry there was so much good stuff in there. It's almost why if those didn't go so so long, I probably wouldn't have had the gumption to do the hour power or mm. power hour. Yeah. Or okay. whichever. Exactly. <laughs> so with your extra time, go back and make sure you've listened to all of those. And there's two of them. And next week. It's going to be the hour power and the follow-up, which is yet to be named, to be determined. And it's going to be Wednesday next week, the NFL. All right, and from here on, it's going to be because it only, we've always done this historically. And let's be clear, though. Tape Tuesday, released overnight Tuesday for college. Yes. Taped Wednesday, released overnight Wednesday. Thus, it's their Thursday crack of dawn for NFL. And... And there's another show we're doing, Fez and I, and it's another way we can keep this part a little shorter. Fez and I are doing a Monday evening, overnight, post-Monday night football game, Tuesday, 5 a.m. type pod, in which we review last week's games, get that out of the way, and Fez tells you what happened in the opening line moves. And I'm going to tell you something. There's a couple shows that do opening line moves. If you add them all, I'm just going to be candid. If you add them all up, I don't think they have the expertise that Fez has when it comes to the line moves. Not talking about picks in general. There's some great pickers out there. I'm not talking about recapping the games. I do that better than Fez. Who are we kidding? Right, Fez? Well, I think I do a fine job. Fine job. Maybe I watch the games a little too much. But when it comes to you saying, did you notice this opened here and it moved here, but it didn't open here till later. And then come Monday morning, it did this. The way that you, you're a maestro, you're almost like a code cracker, right? What is the message? Who's the sharps on? Where's it going to go? 
I think you're the best in the world at that, Fez. Oh, I'm humbled by that. Thank you, RJ. Would you say that's true? I'm humbled by that. Thank you, RJ. And so to me, that's why we want to focus on that is things that I think that Fez does really well. And I'll be here to, um, you know, play devil's advocate because I often will say, well, what about this? What about, and you'll, you know, figure it out. And to ask the questions, unlock the answers. Exactly. So I'm excited. Let's get into this week. Now, if you guys are new and we get new listeners all the time, we do something very different when it comes to the NFL pod. And it's really the one that gets the most attention by far that we do this, the part of the year. And that is what is we actually make our super contest gold picks effectively live. The sausage is being made. Now, the one difference is we give you the best bets. We give you some other picks we like, five each typically. But then Saturday comes. And it's like, this is recorded typically on Wednesday. Then it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday. There's about 72 plus hours before we have to submit. Things change. All right. So we generally match up. We don't always. Okay. So here's what I'm going to do this year. People are going to love this. At pregame is a Twitter account we don't focus on, but we're going to try to grow it. Is right around midnight... When the picks are submitted, I'm going to tweet all five picks on the at pregame account. Mm, at pregame now. No. Pregame Ooh. now is another account, and that's more for daily offers and stuff. So if you like picks especially. So at pregame. Exactly. You're going to tweet it right when the deadline is for the Within super contest. Because minutes. we don't want anyone else to be using our picks. Right? Good clarification. Exactly. Want, to make people, want to make sure people go to the right account. Yeah. At pregame that's it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cost me a little money, that account, but it's a good, it's, it's the right one. So that way I, we can grow that account for other things. And, you know, the beauty is you follow it. You, we don't, we won't send, but less than once a day, anything on there, but it'll be the best content we've got, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. So that should make it so everyone's, uh, why does RJ release the pics at 1220? Where are they? And once people start complaining, maybe we release them later. I know. Because I am like that. And then because you don't reply to people on Twitter, they start I messaging. I just too many to read. I know. Then they message me and say, why is RJ not giving us the pics? Exactly. And, you always want to make them want. But I want to please people too, just not assholes. I'm not one to please. I, it's tough. Like, because here's the thing, and we've got kind of an announcement to make. We've got four years now in the Super Contest, Faz. We do. Now, is it fair to say that the biggest contest in the world is the Super Contest Gold? When yeah, it comes to the entry fee. Because it's a $5,000 buy-in. And think about this. The most this. expensive contest in the world. Exactly. Every other contest, $1,000 buy-in. Five times as high. All right. What does that mean? It means if you think you're the best, you're in there... Understanding you're going against the best, it's like saying, hey, Deuce to Seven, I'm going to go to the World Series and play the Deuce to Seven event. Those are the best Deuce to Seven lowball players in the world. You're, you're saying, I want that competition. Exactly right. So the $10,000 main event champion, a lot of people just qualify, whatever. You're going to have the— There's some dead money. You're going to have the—and even you're going to have some— Average or middling players like the Robert Verconis, the Jamie Gold, the Chris Moneymakers that win it all. Those are not the guys that are going to win the fifty thousand and the hundred thousand buy-ins. You know, five times as high. Agreed. And 
So if we accept that this is the biggest contest in the world, it probably has the highest rollers, the biggest batters in the world, because if you, th at least the ones that think they're the best, if someone says, I don't think, I think we're 90th percentile, then you probably don't want to be in that contest with us. No. I accept there's, that. There's greener pastures for you. Exactly. But for the ones that want to butt heads, iron sharpens iron. That's the only contest to go to. Ooh, Iron Mike Sharp with that thing on his wrist where he used to <laughs> kill um, jobbers, yeah. <laughs> jobbers. So here's the thing. In four years, pregame has the very best record in the world. And I, I got to be honest, I'm super proud of that. We haven't won one yet. But if you say over four years, who's been the best? You, Fez, and me. And since you won two super contests, I think it kind of validates it. I think before this, it was luck, your super contest. Now we know that it's serious. And, and no one did better with our fourth and fifth picks <laughs> than R.J. Bell, who, who makes the, the final cut and takes out the eraser and puts in the little whiteout. Let's just say I got lucky it. last year. We got lucky. So we were at 56.2% over four years. Now that doesn't sound so phenomenal, 56.2%. best out of anyone. 186, 145. That sounds a lot better than 56, doesn't it? Big I sample. I tell you this, here's what people don't get, is if you get one line at one point on Wednesday, and then you get 72 hours in theory, then to say, hey, the lines could move, you would say, well, that's an advantage, right? But then the question is, well, what's a bigger advantage, that or being able to bet from Sunday night at a dozen different books, let's say, and then Monday at a dozen, Tuesday at a dozen, et cetera, all the way up to Sunday morning at a dozen, we've estimated we think it's almost identical. Exactly right, because inevitably there's going to be games like the Chargers-Raiders that are going to flip back and forth three to three and a half. So over the course of a week, you like the Raiders, you take three and a half. You like the Chargers, you lay the three. Not in this contest. You got Especially if you're only... playing overnight Sunday, yeah, you, yeah, you, you can get a lot of like stuff where you're two, two and a half points better. But when, as soon as they print minus three, that's the line, or, or minus three and a half, and that's the line you play against. And if you like the Chargers, you got to lay three and a half. And plus, let's be honest, the dastardly guys at the Westgate, oh, God, they, ta they take special joy in knowing where the line's moving, and the line might be like eight on Wednesday, and they make the mother effort of seven. All the time. They deal their opinion into the line. Exactly right. And it's typically the sharp opinion. And they, you know what? They did. You, you know, this yeah. is a story. The reason they do this, it's like no skin off their back, right? But they used to pay a 66% bonus. So they used to, tr I know people over there that said, we did our very best to make it so hard so we didn't have to pay out that bonus to it, someone. If you want, it was like a $10,000 bonus, yes. which was small, but it was like if you hit 66%, which it was like a long time, it was no one, no one did. It was like, it was like only two or three people over like the first 20 years or something. Is that right? And yeah. then it was like so many uh, people started entering, it became more like the main event. When you got, yeah, when you, when you got 500 people instead of 150. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, what I know is this, is I don't see any reason if you thought you were the best in the world at the NFL that you wouldn't be in the biggest contest. And thus, I feel good that we've gone against the best. And right now we have the best record over four years. Let's hope that keeps up over four. I'm going to make a bold prediction that All we right. go over the 56.2 this year. I got to tell you, Sonny, I feel good about this week. So let's get to it. But, oh, why? Well, you know, I haven't even announced I, who's all here. First of all, I thought you were going to say we went 56% 
in spite of having AJ with us last year, like even with that anchor tying but us I down. St- I, but here's the thing: I did start ignoring you after a while. Okay, because we did start. Let's be candid. We were how many games were we down, McKenzie? Like ten units, right? Something like that. After five weeks, yeah. And what did I say? We were going to finish with a winning record. I say I don't lose. That's all I said. I don't lose. And then I didn't sleep some weekends. I can't lie. You should have said it like uh, I win. Ooh, right. but, but I would have had to teleport in time and been after succession came out. <laughs> All right. So who's to my right? It's AJ Hoffman, a guy who has a new podcast for college football with the guy who's to my far left, Scott Seidenberg. I wouldn't say that far. Well, we're not talking politics. <laughs> you're a New York guy. You know, you're, you're a borough guy. I got no doubt about your politics. are going to be common sense. Right? Street smarts. What'd you think of that mayor you had recently? Mackenzie loves that mayor. De Blasio? Yeah. <laughs> How did you go from Giuliani to De Blasio? Or even Bloomberg was yeah. a common sense dude, wasn't he? The thing the funny thing about De Blasio is the main thing people hate about him is he ate pizza with a fork and a knife. <laughs> right? Is that was that something in the city? Because I know nationally it was I, big. I don't remember that. But you can't trust anybody that does that. I, I agree with that. Okay, now. We were talking to Steve, but Steve's got a little theme song this week. Not theme, but a little theme intro. These are the 24th Pythons, the largest arms to ever enter goals, Jim Daddy. You show up today with no sleeves. Now, what the F is going on? It's 109 degrees out there. Steve, the you've neon been doing is pumping. podcast with 10 years with me. I've never seen you without sleeves. Well, I was like the doughboy back then for a period of COVID. No gym during COVID. I'm going to so. tell you. Every time he comes in for the focus pod, he's wearing one of those cutoff shirts. But it wasn't the case before. No, no. <laughs> Don't you feel embarrassed? Like it's almost like a girl who like won't wear a two piece. She loses some weight, and now she like won't l- take a bikini off. It's like if she's going to the <laughs> movie, she's in a bikini. You know, I got this from is, is like Doug Polk, the poker player. Yeah. Like he does, he does tank tops, and he only does it when he's in shape. But, but, Same thing. But Steve, he's not almost sixty. Sun's out, buns out. What can I say? I mean, what I'm saying is, is that you got a young, you just, I'm not saying you, that, that it's crazy, actually. Like Steve Fezzik and cut off shirt. I'll crazy. dress next week. No. Okay. Do you agree? I, I know you used to talk about uh, Ken Thompson would yeah. come in with it. With yeah. The sleeve, with he, no he sleeves. Was, but, but Ken Thompson had arms as big as. Um, 24 inch pythons, no, brother. No, no, no. I'm serious. He, he had arms as big as. Uh, 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 Billy Graham, the what was his name? The superstar a, Billy Graham. Superstar Billy yeah. Graham. Yeah, he was the champ before Backlund, and he, I mean, he was juiced up to the point where I think his liver was just—you could <laughs> feel his liver. I'm talking about superstar. Uh, yeah, okay. Ken was all natural, of course. But I mean, these were. Re- this wasn't like the old guy that went to the gym for a few weeks. Look, I mean. I don't think it was a problem. I just find it. I just want to hear what your thinking is. I just. You just figure, why not? None it's of my last chance. None of my shirts fit also because they're all extra, so they're money. all extra extra large. Well, make sure you save those first of all. Yeah. <laughs> That is, wow. <laughs> what? What? I mean, statistically. <laughs> have some faith in your guy. Support, man. No, on. I'm just saying, how dumb would it be to throw those all out? Well, that's motivation. 
Like burning the bridge yeah. or burning the boats? A- AJ and R have already scheduled like May 10th to go to Texas Deep Brazil, and he can have his 10 lamb chops, yes. and we're going to have an eating contest. You know what we can do? I'll take your clothes and store them, <laughs> and I'll be like a pawnbroker. I'll pay you like a. My, my, my dad said the please, same. Please, RJ. Please my, give me them back. I, I said I'm going to give them away my clothes. My dad's like, you better hold on to those. <laughs> See, you, you know what my theory is on the on the sleeveless shirt is. There comes a time. But no, you're a lifter. Let's but say there comes a time in anyone's weight loss journey uh-huh. where you look in the mirror. And you start to see definition. I agree. And you probably spend a little time in there. Yeah, yeah, but when that happens, you take advantage of it. Now you got to show it off because it's fleeting. It makes it may <laughs> almost certainly, but it makes me think about when you were lifting when you quit chess after going to the like the chess Olympiad or whatever. And being like the best performing freshman or something, then you quit the lift, the power lift with this dude with the sanity. Yeah, I did the same thing in school also. That's what yeah. I'm saying. But it was so, the middle of the winter in Chicago, so I'd get sick all the time. So you would wear around sleeveless. Just- sure, I had the guns then, <laughs> and I wasn't fat yet. You know what? The, the funny thing about all this is there is a time for everything that will be the last time you can do it and not be ridiculous, right? Like, if you're a single guy, there's a certain time you can date an 18-year-old, and then at a certain point, you could maybe, but it's ridiculous. Half your age plus seven. That's the Is one. that how you do it? That's, that's the rule Let me think about thumb. this. I don't, yeah. like, I don't like that. It's, I like it. it. <laughs> it's, it's the cardinal rule, RJ. It's not a cardinal rule. It, it is. Half it your is, age plus seven. It is if you're, like, timid. But anyway, and then at a certain point... And I'm not, sh- you know, uh, you follow me here? I am. I'm just laughing at the hour of power that we're just yeah. going. <laughs> oh, over. Over catches. Head All to the right. window. Let's get to it. <laughs> so here's what we do. We do best bets first, and then we're going to do five, four, three, two, one. But we, what we're letting happen here is we're letting McKenzie have a best bet, and we're letting AJ, who these are not NFL experts, but they're good. AJ and Scott will get their three picks. Fez and I will get the five. And then what we'll typically do is have the rest of their picks in the next show. Here you have to go to their Twitter form. All right? Here we go. Won't quite be like at pregame releasing the picks at the last moment. No. Who knows? Steve, you go first because you are the two-time Super Contest champion. What is your best bet on the card? Your Pittsburgh Steelers plus six and a half against the Cincinnati Bengals. There's multiple reasons I really like this bet. I should say I was on the brink of making Cincy my one of my picks. So let's start with power ratings. That's my starting point with all my handicappers. And by the way, I just put these up, pregame.com. All my power ratings are up. They'll be up. In the forums. In the forums. They'll be up every Tuesday morning. So I'll be posting every Tuesday morning. I have the Bengals three points better than Pittsburgh. So now we got to give the Bungles their home field advantage. You know what? I don't even know if they get two, RJ. Well, see, I disagree. I think they have a good home field. but Pitts, I agree. But big, but it's not Big Ben anymore. But here's what I'll say. I'm going to always give real quick. We imputed from the uh, season wins. We adjusted for strength of schedule, and we said how many points is the difference in the season wins? 4.2 for the Bengals. What was yours? Three. Okay, so that's a pretty big difference. That is a big difference. And the, like, there's tons of Steeler fans in Ohio, so there's going to be 
I would say 40% of the stadium will be Pittsburgh Steelers fans, so that's going to mitigate the home field. I actually like the fact— All right, so let's think about this now. So you're saying maybe a point and a half for home field. Sure. Let's say that we'll split the difference and say three and a half. I mean, you can't say the yep. market's way off, right? So if three and a half becomes five— Okay. So we're getting six and a half, so mm-hmm. we're getting some value. I like the intangibles. Joe Burrow didn't play during pre, uh, preseason at all, had an appendicitis. His appendix ruptured, mm-hmm. so he didn't get to uh, get any reps. And on top of that, he's got a brand-new O-line. Now, that's going to be imp- that's going to be an improved Bengal offense as the year goes by, but I think not being able to work with the new guys during the preseason is absolutely going to hurt Burrow early in the year. What's how? I mean, they got to work together. I don't really know how much Burrow has to work with the O line. I mean, other than taking a snap from center, right? It's it's more. Do they have the, the block? The, the cohesion, you know, the snap count, everything. Mm. Okay. Well, we've got a history on when there's a major changes to the offensive line for the last six years, in which there was three or more replaced. Now, do the Bengals meet this criteria? Yes. They okay. Have. Yeah. All right, but. What we found out was, if you say, was the line last year in the top half of PFF, to use that as a metric of how good they were, and you make big changes, it's a disaster typically. But if it's a situation where it wasn't a good offensive line and you make big changes, it's actually break even week one and break even for the season. So now you add in Burrow, though, not being there, that adds a little element to it that I think is interesting. Yes. So uh, there's some trends that support the Steelers in this game. Specifically, I, you know, we debated why this is the case. Division dogs have done very well the last seven in years. In week one. In week one. So 29 and nine. Is that correct, Scott? That's what you show? Against the spread, 29, nine, 29, and one? 29, nine, and one in week mm-hmm. one since That's 2014. Strong. That's strong. Um I don't really understand the rationale, but, I mean, let's think about it, is the theory is everyone's motivated week one. The better team wins when people are motivated, but this is the dog does well. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking part of it, more often than not, the dog is going to be the road team, and so the home field isn't worth as much in divisional games, so that could be part of it. But that's that's not just week one. Yeah, that's true. Here's what I think it is more I think about it. Week one, you naturally give a ton of attention to. You, you got effectively, a, even if you are doing anything the preseason, like scheme-wise, you got a buy effectively right now. Mm-hmm. And week four was always a buy anyway, the preseason effectively. So if you're familiar with the team anyway and you have extra prep time, it feels like scheme become, you know how the saying is on Thursday games? It's the it's the Joes, not the X's and O's, because mm-hmm. there's not time to really prep. Remember the old Bobby Knight? That that if you if Bobby Knight had five days, he beat you in the tournament, but if it was two days, he didn't have time to do as much. Mm. It feels like this is just bringing teams together. The, 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 the difference in quality of team gets in a way diminished because there's so much prep time. And the and the underdog can do more quirky things to try. Well, I don't think it's that. I think that the market is pricing as if it's a normal game, yeah. but it's almost like a rivalry game. It's mm-hmm. almost like because of the extra time, they got extra press. Because like in college football, they'll have days during like April that they're getting ready for 
taxes. Like yeah, Oklahoma. for a big game down the road. Yep. Yeah, and and you got to figure this game got more attention than any game. Yes, and I do feel in this case, you know, Pittsburgh's always owned the Bengals. And the fact the Bengals crushed the Steelers in both games last year. Now you know you could this argue this goes against the whole. This see you always go one bite too many because this goes against the whole idea that all teams are max motivated. Yeah. 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 All right. Scratch that. Uh, Stick with the other reason. <laughs> I was going to ask about. I mean, obviously, with more time to prep, you tend to lean more towards the better head coach. I think there's a big coaching advantage for the Steelers. I'm not sure that's true. I mean, I think it, it, Tomlin's better than Taylor, but the DC from Bengals has gotten a lot of serious love from serious people. I mean, the you know, DC from time, Steelers is pretty good too. He's a new. He's new. Right, but he's a pretty so well-respected good. coach, isn't he? He's a position coach. He's never been a DC before. Ryan Flores? Oh, I guess oh, not, not. Not the DC. No. Just oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. you're right. You know, I might take. I don't a, know how much he's. I mean, I don't think you give a new guy the DC job and let Flores come in there and run the show. You know, I, I might take a bite out of the apple first half also, just because Taylor, like you said, really made some great. Uh, his staff made some great adjustments at halftime. Think about the Kansas City games, etc. So I might, I might take a look at some Pittsburgh plus four first half also. So you guys, uh, excuse me, you guys mentioned the uh, Super Bowl hangover of the loser. Do we have numbers on that? Four and 18 ATS in their next uh, season opener since 2000. That's a big number. Nine and 13 straight up. Why does that matter? I think it matters. How do we know if they're an underdog? Well, they're the Super Bowl. They're, they're going to be the underdog more often. They're going to be the favorite. favorite more they're often. They're going to be the favorite more often than not. They're the Super but, Bowl runner-up. Then, but the straight up then would be a better record than the ATS. No, that means they're no, winning and they're not favored. The, the average would be like a six. They, on on whoa, average, whoa, 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 whoa. straight up would be a better record than ATS if you're favored. And yes, yeah. and yeah. it is. And it is. Okay, so I'm confused. Well, you, you Four and eighteen ATS. And you said what? nine and thirteen straight up. That still confuses me. So nine and thirteen has more winners. For the team, yeah, they mean sometimes they cover. win and don't cover. They're probably favored, like in no. I understand of the games. why, but but I, I'm confused on why the, you would give that stat. Like, what's the significance of it? It just does it resonate with you? I, the, yes. When I hear yes, four, it does. Okay. It does. The significance is on average, the Super Bowl loser has an over under season win of about ten. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you got a ten win team. So this is all things you're thinking of. Okay, go ahead. No, I mean, I mean, you still got like a but ten win team that that, that, that isn't even playing five hundred ball to start the year. They're they're like only nine and thirteen. That's pretty shocking that they could but start not, that but bad. But what's more shocking, that or being four and four and eighteen is more significant. Yeah. Yeah. It just seemed weird. He stepped right on. AJ should have went first, and then I should have came oh, yeah, over the top. Yeah, yeah, it was weird. Now I was just thinking about missing something. Is all is not that I'm, you know, everyone can, you know, make an error, but I mean, it's like I didn't understand why we were even saying it. Um, Steelers, there's some problems here. First off, I was ready to go with the Bengals here. You guys had some good trends you had held back, so kudos. But one, the Steelers have a new DC. And they have a new green dot, which is who has the headset. And we had theories that, hey, that's going to be disruptive, right? You got a new DC, new green dot. And history says those teams are 9 and 20, right? So Pittsburgh's in a 9 and 20 spot. And I think it's a pretty valid spot, you know, meaning it's meaningful. They, you know, new guys getting, you know, it's first time he's doing That's week one only. Yes. Um, I also think the Bengals are a little underrated. I think personally, if you look at this team week 10 and beyond last year, they are the, maybe the best team in the NFL or right there with the best team in the NFL. 
And you could say, well, that's arbitrary endpoints and all that, except Burrow was so hurt by that catastrophic knee. He wasn't really near 100% till mid-year. So when he finally got the point where he started taking sacks more, and he took a lot of sacks the whole year, but he was willing to do it, he just played so much better. And in a weird way, it makes me pause a little. This whole Herbert Burrow debate, part of me is thinking I'd like Burrow if it wasn't for the health. But now I start thinking, well, wait a minute. How long do we really have a Burrow playing great? Well, it's been since week 10 on. And the rest of the time, he's been pretty pedestrian. So maybe that's the point we haven't seen enough from him. Or it's he's played so well since we got to take it seriously. Because like you said, you got to wait the most recent games the most. And you probably waited playoff games double. I, I know. Right? So on one hand, if Burrow's as good as he's seemed since week 10, I don't like this pick at all. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure it's sure, but I do think it's important his season wasn't a clean season. It was okay and then really good. And after. So... Uh, any closing thoughts on this game? Yeah, third highest grade uh, pass rush per PFF, the Steelers, going against a, an offensive line playing their first game together. And then we talked about this a lot with Mike Tomlin. Once again, history tells us that bad O-lines that get revamped are not at a deficit. Even if they're a neutral, going up against, they're going up against an elite pass rush is what I'm saying. Uh, but then Mike Tomlin, just Mike Tomlin as a dog, 45 and 23 ATS as an underdog. It's just hard to bet against Mike Tomlin when he's getting points. It just feels like it's all building in the line at this point. You know, point. the Bengals also, the Bengals are not an elite team. So this goes back to the Allen Boston well, I don't, I don't handicapping agree with that. method. I don't agree with that. Well, I, back in like the last previous Bengals Super Bowls, they had really good quarterbacks. They went to the Super Bowl. They lost, and they weren't as good the next year. They're just as an organization. I know we're going back in the 80s, but as an organization, that's what Bengals do. They were they, they right, have right, the home right, run right, year, and they right. revert back. And right. you're talking about Three the, topics each per person, please. <laughs> you, uh, let's go. Last you were time. talking about the defensive coordinator for the Steelers. I mean, Terrell Austin was there the past two years as a defensive assistant. Prior to that, was the D coordinator in Cincinnati and in Detroit for several years. So he has experience. Yeah, but our data is we have a very definite way. But I wouldn't consider him, like you say, a new D.C. That means it doesn't matter if you're 70 years old and you've been D.C. at four other places, you're a new D.C. at this place. The players don't know you. But the players do know him. He's been there for three years. I mean, players don't know your voice. I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, I'm not, I guess to some degree you can't debate data. Is The data tells us that if, you're, if there's a new D.C., you hit about 40% of the game ones. Is that right, Mackenzie? Forty. Yes. What's the exact number? I'll pull that up. So now you you can say, well, the way you're assessing who's a new DC could be better, maybe, and maybe that's something we should split up. Is if you're a new first time DC, new with the team, first time is one group. Second group is new with the team, uh, DC. Now you could say, well, what about if you're with the team beforehand? That's my thought. And, and, and what we've seen historically is if you have, a, and, and this is interesting, if you have a DC who's new, but the coach, head coach stays the same, what's that number, McKenzie? Four and oh. All right. So. Wait, what, I'm sorry. No, that's what I, th- I didn't think it was that. I'm sorry. 10 and 15. Same head coach, new DC. Four and oh is new head coach. Diff- uh, so it's about the same record. Mm. Um, so we got 15 instances where now did every time was that guy on staff, 
you got to figure most of the time. Meaning, if a coach is is hiring from with, you know, they're going mm-hmm. outside for a new DC, maybe, but you know, it's rare. Yeah, and again, we're getting where the sample size is so small. Mm-hmm. We're not. And, gonna and this is really important about trends. RJ's giving you a trend that nobody knows about. This is a pregame research trend. That's true. Whereas. I and Scott am giving you trends that everyone knows about and, and like, the market is well aware of. But we don't know if the market's fully – because I can't – We don't. I mean, if you actually look at the line, the line feels like it's – even if you give the market of of the 4.2 difference between them, and let's say you give even two points for home field – Still want to get to 6.2. 6.2. So, if anything, it doesn't seem like there's inordinate Pittsburgh money here. Right? So, um, there you go. Okay, next best bet. Let's go to now. This is we'll call this a. Well, I guess my best bet will have to go next, yep. and then okay. Well, remember Scott and I's best bet is. I think it's the same as. It's Fed. also the Steelers. Yeah, mine was the Steelers also. Oh, what well, you had Triple the same best bet. You had the same as Fez. Yeah. No way. Huh. All right. <laughs> he did not give me his pick. I was leaning over his shoulder when he was writing. All right. Hey, if you're gonna follow anyone, follow <laughs> Fez. All right. So you guys both. Uh, you all had your say on it, though, right? Yep. You had yes. some good stats. No, no I have not bet. That goofy straight up. I, I have not bet this yet because of the asymmetric risk and hope, hoping for the seven. That, okay. So uh, the theory is it could go to six. It could, could go to seven. But going to seven is so much more significant, you're, you'd rather wait. Yes. But if you see it moving to six, then I'll gobble it starts to, to bleed down, now the odds of it going to seven aren't great, so take the six and a half. Yes. Okay. So there you go, three best bets. Now, I guess since everyone, you guys agree with, I don't even love this, but we'll, you know, we'll see. If it's a triple, it's gonna be hard for me to buck, and then I can blame you guys if it loses. <laughs> so that's perfect. Um, At least I was on the Steelers this week instead of against them. My best bet. <sighs> I was deciding, but let me look at this. Yeah, I know who it is. I'm going with the New England Patriots. Now, listen, you heard enough about me and Belichick, so I'm going to keep this one short. Let's just do the math, because here's my belief, that the, the line was two and a half, what, a week ago? Yes. From What's changed, Pe- Steve? People have bet a lot on Miami. That is it. And What's changed? The narrative is that New England had a bad camp. What's changed? Nothing. Nothing has changed, really, when it comes to these teams, right? And what we now know is New England's going is already down there four days before acclimating. Getting it's like another minute. It's like he's saying we just came out of camp. We're going to another camp because this Miami team beats us all the time, right? Because it's hot and humid. Now what do we know? Dolphins have a new DC. Dolphins have a new coach. Just generally, these are like losing propositions. Game one historically, it's like forty-four percent. 44% game one with just a new head coach. That's all it is. They don't do well in game one. You know why? Because they've never done this before. Especially going up against a wizard. A wi- and now here's what else is interesting. How worried is Miami about showing their cards that then Belichick solves in the second half and then you just have given the recipe to the rest of the league? Would it be crazy for Miami to go down there and run something entirely or not entirely different, but fundamentally different for one game, which they could have prepped for the whole offseason, and then in game two come out with what you're going to run with the rest of the time. Yeah, this is a really strong point because – I Belich- don't know for sure. Belichick teaches you 
uh, what's wrong with with your team fundamentally and especially how to, how when to it's beat. the first time this offense is going to be seen because it's he wasn't even the OC anywhere. Rams in the Super Bowl where he de pants Goff and company. It so, took him two years to figure out what to do with that. Right. So the bottom line is like a chess player. If you always play king pawn and you're playing Belichick, ah. You play play your queen pawn forward. It's not your best game, but you know what? You'll think about the long term. Don't want him to show everyone what I'm doing wrong when I play my main opening. Plus, it could be your best game if you have kind of a gimmicky system you could do for one game only, a la Rocky and Rocky Two when he went right-handed. Mm-hmm. Remember? And he goes, switch this out. He goes, hey, no, no tricks. tricks. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, maybe we'll have to do a little. No! no tricks. No. No tricks. No, no, no. We want to. We want to make people. <laughs> um, power, power rating wise, I only have New England one point better. Your numbers well, consistent with that? Hold on a second. I've got it uh, again. The market number is New England's a fifth of a point better. Only so a fifth six. of a point. So, so comparable teams, and no way Miami. But, but let's say a half a point. Half a point. Different. Give two for home field. Boom. We're at two and a half. That's where we were. All July and August. For a long time. But now it's three and a half. Mm -hmm. Thus, value. This is the definition of value. And you know what we're bucking? Nothing. Because it's pointless chatter from people who don't know anything about football relative to Belichick. But I had my say on that last week. This is my second best bet, so it gets my full endorsement. This is my four. Scott, you don't like this. At three and a half. It's a different conversation than at three. Well, that's the only conversation. That's the line. Yeah, yeah. I'm just but saying. I mean, he and bet. I have a $100 bet at three. Oh, at three. Right, okay. Which, right. if you told me it was three and a half, I wouldn't bet you. Okay, I accept that. I accept that. That's a, now, that's a, that is a graceful defeat. <laughs> that is. Anything? I, I, it's a pass for me. I, I think the Dolphins roster is significantly better, but see, that's better amazing. coach, that, better quarterback. I, I'm not even. Can interested. I see your sheet where you? Grade wait, wait. All did you just players? say better coach? He said better coach. Did he say better coach? No, I'm saying the the Patriots have the better coach and the better quarterback. Oh, okay. and I'm not looking to go against that. I, I mean, okay. But I want to say how how do you like the O line? How's the O line stack up? The Dolphins O line is better, in my opinion. Huh? The Dolphins O line is better. They brought in Do- Dolphins did a lot to improve their O line. I thought these O lines had trouble in Week One. Yeah, they, I mean, they they may. <laughs> I mean, I, you just were telling me that. Let's look at this. So I've got something from Mike Clay, who does some fantasy stuff from ESPN, but he rates all the units, mm. and this is just one rating. Um, let's see here: running back, wide receiver, D line. Where's the oh O line? Okay, so he rates from zero to four. Four is the best grade for him. New England gets a 2.9. That's pretty good. And then Miami gets a 2.0. Huh. So Mike Clay must be wrong. Yeah. I don't, oh, you picked the O-line. What about wide receivers? Well, but, what what but, about well, well, secondary? So like there, There's lots of spots on this roster where the Dolphins are just better. The th- the best well, wide receiver on New England couldn't tell, be— Tell me when I can actually say what we were supposed to— be. I was the one asking the question. You want to ask me a okay. question? Fine. But let's address the question okay. you were now avoiding. So you thought the O-line was better for Miami. I do. When— an expert like this thinks otherwise, how do you react to that? Do you think— I don't worry about wrong? it. You just think, that guy's wrong. Yeah. You don't ever think maybe I got something wrong. Uh, maybe I am wrong. I, I mean, how, but I don't. I don't think do that that's God's how, God's notes, is how, it? How do you ever check against it? No, if it was God's notes, you would know you were wrong. Right. 
So now we're saying, like when Fed says something and I say something different, I think, you know something? There's a good chance I'm wrong. I don't think I'm wrong more than 50% of the time, but I think maybe 50. But by example, if Mike Clay has the disparity 2.9 to 2.0, I'm Which pretty pre darn confident if we went to an, a third or a fourth or a fifth party and, and looked at their rankings, they're also going to have New England's O-line better than Miami's. Does PFF have their rankings up? Seventh. They have New England seventh? Mm -hmm. And so Miami must be sixth or fifth or fourth or third or second or no. first. What are they? 23rd. Ooh. All right. I'm, the, I'm wrong. All right. All right. Now, moving on. Now, what was your question? The best wide receiver for New England couldn't get on the field in three wide receiver sets with Miami. That's why he's in New England. Well, well no doubt. The, 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 if, if you think spending money on play on $25 million a year wide receivers is the way to build a team, then Miami is your team. I agree. I think Belichick's way is usually better. So, well, Belichick's way will be tested week one when he's got to keep up with Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill with no J.C. Jackson. And you know something? It, but here's the question. When it was two and a half, were you all over Miami? I, yeah, I like Miami a lot at two and a half. Did you give it out to your clients? I did not. Now, now, now this I haven't given out any NFL plays to clients. So, I'm not an NFL oh, that's expert, Fez. So, 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 yeah. Well, but, but hold on a second. If you're giving out any picks, giving them out – Early is always better if you like them, you yeah. know. But I, I get it because in your mind you're thinking, and, and sincerely, is like, well, should I be so bold to give something in June if that's not my expertise? It's like to me, that's the time to do it. Cherry pick it, right? But moving on, uh, go ahead. So, well, the key here is Miami's going to win this game by exactly three, approximately ten percent of the time. Mm -hmm. All right, regardless of whether Miami should be minus five or pick up. So we're saying if it was a coin flip of two and a half, this is a massively good bet. Exactly. So do we really think that an NFL bet just a week ago was sitting out there minus two and a half that was like sixty-two percent? I'm not. I, I refuse to believe that. Now, now think about what you're saying. For this to be the right line, yes, and for Miami to be the right side here would be even crazier. Now, much more logical would be say, you know what, then, then Miami minus 2.5 could have been a 57% bet. That's a little optimistic. That seems crazy. That seems ahead. crazy, but not optimistic. But All even right. if it was, now it's only a 47% bet minus 3.5. So you're saying even if it was 57 to 2.5, we still got a 53%er here. Yes. And I don't think it was that at 2.5. Yeah, and I think 57% is optimistic. Very. Yeah. And, and one last thing, sorry to interrupt real quick, AJ, is that the idea of this is only the case if there's not information that's moving it, where if there was an extra injury or if, you know, usually it's going to be injury or something, and you can say now the line's moved, but it's not all other things are equal when the line's moved. It's there's a reason the line moved, right? But Here, nothing has changed. If anything, New England's a had a favorable— Sentiment. This if, is sentiment. Sentiment, narrative. If anything, New England's had favorable injury news. In what way specifically? Uh, Isaiah Wynn's probably going to play, and there's another another player that was like not necessarily going to be able to suit up that looks like he's going to be able to. Uh, you said what, what I was going to say, and that's why I, I, I'm certainly not going to go against you on this play because nothing's changed from a week ago, and suddenly you're, you're through the three and clear on the other side. It doesn't make any sense to me. Which is that's what value is, yeah. right? And it's usually a bet that's hard to make, and i got to give you credit – you make a bet a little later in the car that I think is a hard bet to make, and I think it's the right side. I agree. And to me, it's all in general, if the bet feels good, 
it probably ain't good. <laughs> right, Steve? Because the, you yes. want the be- because those are the ones you're always saying that. It's like, no offense to anyone, but now he's part of the family. We can bust his balls. Mm-hmm. When you buy the number one team like 40 cents over what the, you know, on the bills, that felt good because you're like, I got the best team. Probably not, you know, probably wasn't value. Okay. Next best bet, McKenzie. Now, he's an NBA expert, but I'd say NFL is his second sport, and I'm tutoring him. So what do you got, bud? Washington, now minus two and a half. I love that this has moved off of three. I was leaning that way anyway. I just don't get how they're even teams. This number is saying they're even teams. Well, remember, Washington doesn't have a great home field. So I would say it's saying Washington's a little better. And I think if you think about how much better they, the Washington is with Carson Wentz now versus Taylor Heineke. I agree with that. There's all this Wentz slander, and it's like maybe it's deserved, so it's not slander. Go back to our NFC pod talk. RJ did a great job of talking me off the Washington fade cliff and reasons why Washington is undervalued in the marketplace. Go ahead, uh, McKenzie. Thank you. McKenzie? Yeah, uh, sorry. Um, what are you having, like a, a spell? <laughs> I think his handicap is very simple. It makes makes sense. Well, you don't have to say anything else. That's it. Yes, that's it. Is what you just did you think is better than saying that's it? No, that's it. (laughs) That's it. Washington's two and a half points better, and they're home. So we have to lay two. All right, no, let's talk talk about the two and a half, because this is one of my picks. So um, I have them two points better. Okay, and I've got Washington. 2.4 2.4 better, and that's by imputed from the market. I like your number better. All right, well, let's call it, you know. Decimal. 2.2, we'll call it. And let's say home court or home field is, uh, let's say a point, you know. So we're still. We're still I think it's one and a half. I think where it's only one is when they play the, the, the Eagles or someone close by geographically. That's a, good point. that's a good point. And plus, the Jags only play every four years or whatever with them. Um, and Jaguars, another team with new D.C., new green dot. Right, Those so, teams, 9 and 20 ATS. So this is the DC green dot double shot. And I also think, well, plus they have a new coach. So, I mean, you just got a lot of new for a first game. And let's be honest, Trevor Lawrence never really stepped up in the biggest games. I mean, they had the one national title, and, hey, that is great. But if you look at whenever he wasn't a 10-point favorite, so all the games the line was closer than him being double-digit favorite, his, in college, his uh, passer rating went down like 15 points. And you mm. could say, well, they're better competition. It, it was much more. More than just it the defense adjusted. And, and I'm not saying that's a sign he's a choke artist, but we didn't see much last year, right? We just know we didn't. And whatever Peterson can do with him, you know, the first – Game, I don't know, you know, and second, you know, and that's what's interesting. What did we have data wise if there's a new, uh, a second year QB? Did we look at that for uh, game one? Give me three minutes, I'll look at it right now. Yeah, let's look at that. Um, did we do a rookie QB starting? No, okay, we just did first year, QB. but this year is no rookie QBs, right? Starting, obviously no. not. Okay, any closing thoughts? What's our latest on the Washington running back situation? Where it's Gibson. Market's got that figured. It's out. Gibson for the foreseeable future until you recover from gunshot And he started. And he started last year. So I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, this is just. I mean, they, listen. We were going to talk about this. We should talk about it now, Steve. Is this week is the hardest week of the year in some ways? And explain at length why that is. 
Yeah, because these NFL lines have been up for months and months and months. They come out in April. So basically, we've had no data. We've had preseason data, but we've had no actual data on the field to have to go through and make significant adjustments for. The rosters have all been known since the draft. And yeah, there's some tweaks going on, but you could write a thesis on each and every team. Heck, we did that with the AFC and the NFC teams, and we can go ahead and we went ahead and did deep dives along with the entire betting world to get to where these numbers are. They've had six months to be bet into to get to where we're at. This is a very efficient marketplace. Now let's compare and contrast to next week. What's going to happen? Well, all the professional bettors, they're still betting. Scott's still betting his baseball. AJ's still betting his football. And all the pro bettors I know are betting multiple sports. And they're going to have to go ahead and take that data they see week one in the NFL, make adjustments on the fly to the power ratings. The odds makers, same thing. Those numbers that get put up Midweek, especially, if you look at what the numbers are going to be midweek, there's going to be mistakes. There's going to be um, things that are overlooked by the odds makers and by the betters, especially midweek. And even by the time these teams kick off, there's going to be lines that we can say, boy, that was really um, a bad line that was up all week long. That's not going to be the case when we look at NFL it's, week it's one lines. Picked, though. It's like Thanksgiving. It's like Black Friday. It's like Sunday after Black Friday going to Walmart. That's a great analogy. There's not going to be any big screens for $199 There's anymore. There's going to be some irregular sweatshirts in small. Yeah, with different size sleeves. You might be able to wear those at this point. <laughs> and I think this particular pick, much like the last one, there's just been a move for no explainable reason because Jacksonville was they were plus three and a half two days ago. Yeah, how sharp? Again, nothing has changed. How sharp can this be? You had all summer to bet Jacksonville plus 3.75. Then it goes to three. And then it suddenly goes to two and a half. What? Mm. And I I think, you know, RJ did this in the NFC preview. When you think about the commandos, as you call them, Steve, winning seven games last year with a really tough schedule and a backup quarterback all season long, it's it's really it's really tough to say that them in Jacksonville are you know half point apart on a neutral. It just doesn't make much sense. Especially game one. Yeah, yeah. and the, the Jags zero and eight on the road last year. Average loss was by eighteen points. Hmm. I like it. All right, I endorse this. Next game from you, Steve. All right, um, my three weight Arizona Cardinals. You know, this is a pure power rating play. So by the way, I have Arizona. As one of my picks, and... I have Arizona. Oh, now this is the one I thought was sharp on your part. And listen, you're agreeing with Faz and I. I'll take it. Yes, so I have these teams five and a half points apart, so that makes it five and a half on a neutral. Arizona has a real home field advantage worth at least two points, so that gets me to three and a half. And what's well, weird, I think out of out of conference is more than... Maybe even more, exactly. Have, I think. You know, what's, what's bizarre is that... I look at my power ratings, and I'm very confident in them. I have Kansas City, the second-best power-rated team in the NFL. Well, let's look at the market. So the imputed market point differential here is five points exactly. So you're saying how And many? I'm five and a half. Uh-huh. So I'm actually higher on Kansas City than the, than the, the market. I've got them with the second-best team. I'm not sure some others have them as number two right yeah, now. Okay. And... On top of it, I understand Hopkins is out for Arizona, and so you could say, well, maybe Arizona, we should dock a little bit more. But Arizona always starts strong. Arizona's, you know, a great September team historically. Kingsbury's been very good early in the year. I think that offsets the Hopkins situation. I'm right back to my power ratings. If I can catch six on a game I'm making three and a half, I'm going to take it every time. The Hopkins is interesting. I hadn't thought of that. 
So the season line assumes Hopkins is playing how many games? Uh, he's he's out, six. out six, yeah. So he's playing 11. Mm-hmm. So what's he worth, a point a game? One. Okay. So in theory, it should be two-thirds of a point adjusted here. Yes. Because, That's a good point. Yeah. Right? Two-thirds of the games he's there, but he's not here this game. And we're saying one point. But I kind of netted it out because Arizona's historically with Kingsbury's played very well early in the year. Yeah, but but Andy, I mean, I think it's apples to oranges, right? So let's just get the power rating straight first. Mm, yeah. And I think by taking off 0.5, let's just take off a half a point. I think that's fair. I think we're – now let's make sure where we're at with this now is um, – so at that point, if we say five and a half, right, because the market says five, and that's, I mean, we're going to trust that the most – if we go to five and nine, well, let's say go to six, it's still the Cardinals. We got all the home field as our edge. We, yeah, we're, we're, we're pricing no home field, even if we go six, yeah, so six, we six got, on the neutral. we got two or two and a half points of edge. Yes. Okay, I like that. And remember, Andy Reid is eight and one last nine season openers. But like you said, Kingsbury has, is three and oh, and you might think that's not enough. But his point differential is so significant in those three games that it's noteworthy uh, what do we have, Arizona? Eighty-nine to sixty. He's outscored opponents in his uh, in since he's been the head coach. By game in the one, first game. Yep. So by twenty-nine points. Twenty-nine points. That's almost ten points a game. Yep. Okay, and that's against the spread or just no? That's uh, that's scoring differential. Scoring. Yeah. What's the ATS margin? Plus against? thirteen and a half. All right. So if you're thir- up thirty-nine points against the spread in three games, that's significant. Yeah. All right. I like it. And listen, here there's a re- repeating story here. What teams are getting the most sour news reported on them? New England, mm-hmm. right? Arizona, oh, how, yeah, right. All the Kyler Murray stuff, you know, from the Rams. Old season. Yeah, Rams. What's the Stafford oh, Stafford's elbow? That's not sour news. That's bad. That's legitimately bad news, right? <laughs> I mean, to say he's got a hurt elbow. We're not talking like if Brady got hurt. We would say bad oh, things yeah, about hurt, Tampa. Hurt, hurt, hurt elbow versus having to having to go to the library four hours a week. Yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah. think. In, I mean, and, I don't and think removing the, the team from your Instagram. I wouldn't put the Rams in, in in that. And I think the whole contract and the whole thing was. Mm-hmm. And now people saying Kingsbury should be fired, and it's like he just got a, a new contract. It was a lot of sour. And plus, let's not forget they won eleven games. People forget <laughs> you, they see that that performance against Dow or against um, Rams. the Rams was one of the worst playoff performances you're ever going to see. People do not forget that spread was only three and a half on that game. That's yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, and then the other team I would say that that meets that criteria, um, you know, well, Tampa. <sighs> Dallas. No, Tampa. Tampa hasn't moved at all. I mean, Tampa's quarterback left camp for. No, a I think it makes a big point. But other everyone else is. Here's the thing. Don't get angry. Just try to understand what I'm saying. I'm not it's angry. what it. I mean, you're raising your. You're going like, but Tampa's quarterback is. It's when we do these longer pods, we want to make people relax when they listen. Okay. This is the shorter pod. Well, it's still over an hour. No, it's the hour power. No, an hour power is a euphemism. It's at least going to be an hour ten, (laughs) like we said. I never denied that. Um, In fact, tell me if you agree with this. My point is, when is there a narrative that is irrational against a team? 
right? So I would make the case with Tampa Bay, there is no narrative. Most people are dis people saying, I can't believe people question Brady. He's a grown man. You don't think if he knows when he has to go somewhere and does it? Like, that's what I've heard from people. I haven't heard people say, oh, this is a sign of Brady not caring as much. I've, I don't think I've heard anyone but me say that. No, we've been bringing it up on yeah, this show. Yeah, but is anyone else? Well, their win total move, their Super Bowl odds move. Well, that's well, because well, of their own win total because It's because the, the Tampa season win number went from 11.5 to 10.8, but that's solely because of the cluster injuries in the O-line, in my opinion, not because of the Brady well, narrative. When, when was the move when, when Brady, the day before Brady left, what was the line? It didn't drop .7 since Brady left. No, it had already dropped. Yeah. It so already dropped to like 11.1 before Brady left. And then it's what now? 10.8. Okay, so it's three-tenths of a win. Yeah. Considering what's happened, if, I mean, when we're seeing drastic, I mean, let's look at the line in game one, right? What's been the adjustment on Dallas? It looks like it's up as high as it's ever been, right? Minus two at open. It was, yeah, it was it was two and a half, and then it dropped down to one, and then money just in the last twenty four hours came on Tampa. It's back up to like two point two. Yeah, I think it was a lot. Now, if you believe that the Brady stuff is indicative, like I do, I think fading Tampa and given spots is going to make sense. I don't think the narrative out there is anti Tampa. It's a very difficult game because there's there's well, we'll and there's the, the anti Dallas. Yeah. Also, but would you agree? I mean, Fez, would you say there's a a major sentiment against Tampa? I actually would. Yes. With whom? With the better. Why isn't the line moving? It has moved. If you look at the division odds, Tampa versus the Saints. Well, that's going to be a is, much less liquid market. Money is poured. And hold, also, on, hold on, hold on. How do we know how much that is pro? When it's against the Saints, it's a lot of pro Saints money. That's a great point. It's very pro Saints, and that's reflected in the Saints season win number, which has gone up from seven half to nine. <laughs> So which one do you think yeah, it is? Yeah, it's a lot of pro Saints. More. So once it's again, more. Where is the anti-Tampa money? That's beyond the injuries. Which is new information. It's all injuries. I would say at least 90%. I'm not saying there's not a smidge of people who agree with that. I mean, us. Brady going to the Bahamas couldn't have helped, but it's probably one-tenth of a, of a win. Think about if you had move. a bar, a thousand people in a bar, and you said, who's pro? who thinks New England's going to have a great year this year? Go to this side of the bar. No and one. The other one's that side. It's going to be 85-15 or, or whatever. Would you agree? New England or Tampa? New, New England. England. Okay. Would you agree? Yes. So that is truly sentiment against the team. If we say who thinks Tampa's going to have a great year, maybe it's going to be 50-50, but it's not like going to be a preponderance of people anti-Tampa because if there is, there just isn't action to back that up. You know, and and pursuant to your point, I've been given out week 2 Tampa, uh, New Orleans plus three against Tampa. I've been giving that out like the last six weeks. A great bet. Got to bet this. Got to bet this. Guess what the line is? It's still three. Think about that. Despite me mm. like thumping my chest saying this is and and, and nothing but pro Saint news left are, are and right. Are you saying that you can't move a, a billion dollar market just with your opinion and, is, you're, and you're saying can you believe this it? This is only a hundred thousand, Mark. This is week two lines, mind you. Listen, you get so, used to yep, certain and things. yes, I can move it, but I'm not <laughs> yeah. moving it here because someone likes Tampa. Just like someone likes Tampa in this game because they just bet them. Uh, agreed. All right. So, but I guess the point I was making is that for the picks I've made so far, it's been the teams, and I would say Washington has had a general bad narrative because mm -hmm. the guy's getting called in front of Congress. It's like you hear more like, oh, my God, this is this program's never going to change, right? Sexual harassment, he's out of, the, out of the league for, what, until November or October? Might be a good thing. Well, yeah, but what I'm saying is that, that, that in Jacksonville is getting so much love because – 
Trevor Urban, Lawrence, Urban Meyer. Uh, that's what I was going to ask. Do you, like, because if you're fading the teams that are getting, or if you're riding the teams that are getting bad news, do you fade the teams sure. that are so like? I feel like Detroit, Jacksonville, Houston, the Chargers have gotten a ton Houston? of love. Houston, Where, where's Houston's love at? The running back. Oh, the fan, the fantasy leagues love the running not, back. But that's not about you. Where's the Houston money coming? None. In? It's all there. It's, no, Detroit's, just, the be- the people, Detroit's the better example. Detroit, yeah, Detroit, Detroit is the oh, perfect example. Detroit's the best Goodness. example, I think. God, that Dan Campbell could run for president right now. I agree. <laughs> and, and you know, PFF has had, uh, uh, I'm thinking, uh, Eric Eager has been, like, really pounding the drum on pro Detroit since, you know, months ago. Uh, others have, too. Um I saw one analysis that said their average line last year, I think they were seven and a half point dogs. I'm just going by memory. And this year, their average line is like three. Mm-hmm. So now it could, strength of schedule can adjust. But, um, you know, other than that, and I'm not even, I mean, we can look at the strength of schedule. Then being upgraded four points seems like a lot. Does right, and they got to upgrade four wins also because they had three last year and now their six and a half is, is moving to seven. So, what's your question, Mackenzie? We're talking about how we like the Cardinals plus six. On August 22nd, why was it Chiefs minus only three? Three-point move in three weeks. I don't know any news that would justify any movement. The, only, the, only, narr- okay. the only narrative on the KC side was that um, Mahomes played during the preseason and played very well. Exactly. So there's been a lot of love for the receiver they took and you know potential rookie of the year. Pacheco, the running back, seventh-round mm-hmm. pick, is like going to be a very exceptional backup running back. And there the is a little I, bit of injury. That, the, the backup running backs are moving along. <laughs> exactly. There, there is a little bit of injury news with the Cardinals. Zach Ertz is questionable with the calf injury. Injury and and JJ Watt's been dealing with COVID, so he's coming back hopefully for this week for their sake. But is he going to be 100? percent We don't know. Well, I've got one more stat on this game. Arizona last year, the best team in the league defending tight ends, and obviously Kansas City's offense is going to be even more reliant on tight ends than it has been in the past without Tyreek Hill. Travis Kelsey's their go-to guy. The Cardinals allowed only two touchdowns last year, fewest in the league to tight ends, and the third fewest receptions to tight ends of anybody in the league. So, And I think that with the Arizona and the KC, I would say it's almost equal where there's pro-Arizona, or I'm sorry, negative Arizona sentiment and pro-KC sentiment. I agree with that. So McKenzie's got a good point. What has really changed since August 22nd? We're getting three additional points. Plus, more people hear about how Andy Reid's been early in the year, you know, first game. Not to mention with the spread up to six already, Kansas City obviously week two plays Thursday night and they play the Chargers. So, I mean, I know we're all going to go balls to the wall week one, but – it's possible Kansas City might even be looking ahead to that game. That's a critical game in a short week. One other thing that got announced today, and you, you might think I'm crazy for thinking this matters, but his son is expected to plead guilty uh, to to that that car accident that he had that that hurt some people. Uh, yeah, so that, that might be a good. I mean, if, if if they got a good negotiated settlement, it might be a positive. Might be, a, but at a minimum, there's going to be emotion around it. No doubt. Yeah, I agree. No, I don't think it's. I mean, who would think it's crazy that? He loses a son to an overdose. He has another son that likely going maybe to going to jail. Yeah, yeah. You would mm. think. I mean, I don't know enough about it. But, but just a, it's got to be. It's got to be on his mind. It's all. I'm yeah, thinking. and I'm saying that's that's very normal. I mean, it would be crazy to act like it wasn't a fact. Yeah. All right. So I think we're seeing a good narrative. Or I think we're seeing the way we're doing this here. It could all lose because even if you get two points a game, it only matters when it falls in those two mm. points. It's just in the long run, it will enough. Okay, my next game. 
Just going down the list here. Let's see. What do I got? Okay, my next pick is going to be the Houston. Oh, no. That's coming up in a minute. Let's go with the Tennessee Titans. And we got a crossfire. Yeah, this is a crossfire with me because I'm on the Giants. All right, I'm going to let you go first, out of a courtesy. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, new look Giants. Wrong. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. New look <laughs> Giants under Brian Dable, uh, Saquon Barkley healthy. This is oh my god, a is this like a New York offensive is this like a line that is improved this season? Although you did give that stat out about new offensive line pieces, so we do have to consider that. Yeah, but they weren't a good offensive line, so it's like it sure, can't get, sure, it doesn't get sure. much worse. Uh, Brian Dable uh, last season the. Bills put up 31 points on the Tennessee Titans. So uh, possibly knowing how to attack this defense wait, also. Wait, wait, wait. They lost that game, didn't they? They put up 31 points on the Titans last year. Yeah, but what I'm saying is it was a shootout that Brian they lost. Dable coach defense? No, but what I'm saying is if you – the Bills, right? The game, yeah, I'm talking they're, about – pretty good, right? I'm yeah. talking about Brian Dable's offense. No, that's Josh Allen. That's Josh Allen's offense. Oh, thank you. It's, it's Brian Dable's <laughs> offense. And uh, also Daniel Jones – is very comfortable in this role. Eleven and four against the spread as a road underdog in his career. So I have the Giants. Oh, this game's who are in Tennessee. Going to I like be it even more. <laughs> much improved this year. Going up against a Titans team that I downgrade. Ryan Tannehill losing his top offensive weapon in the receiving but, but we're game. We're talking all relative directional stuff. Let's get specific with what the line should be. Fez, here's what I've got. Line I've got, has moved in your favor. The, what I've got, Fez, it, well, when you say in my favor, you mean I'm getting a cheaper price. People no. Have been, no um, the line went from six and a half to five yeah. and a half. So I'm laying less points. Yes, line moved in your favor, yes. So what we're saying is the line went from six and a half mm-hmm. to five and a half, mm-hmm. which means people have bet the Giants, yes. and I'm getting a better line. Okay, so that 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 makes me happy, right? That's sure. not like you would rather have the old line. I would, but it also makes me happy. Oh, because the, the sharps are with you. That the <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, I can hear you. So let's look at what the line should be. I've got by the market. Six point two Titans are better on a neutral. What do you got? Four and a half. Okay, so you're way off on this. I mean, I mean, let's we can double up on the math. Uh, let's double check the math. Um, Mackenzie looks like he's in the restroom. Mackenzie, he's in the restroom. All right. So when we come back, let's assume I'm we're right about this. Now, why do you think it's so? I mean, it seems like you're caught up in it, Fez. Well, well, I've got Tennessee a half point better than an average team. Where do you? Of Tennessee. Well, all we did was we took the money or we took the season uh, yeah. wins and imputed. So I can explain them. Uh, oh, I, I can explain what's probably happening. The, the Giants, I believe, have the easiest schedule in the NFL. We adjust for that. Right. So I think I think maybe my power ratings didn't adjust enough where I, oh, refu- okay. I refused. Like, I had the Giants four points worse than an average team. Mm-hmm. And I said to myself, you know what? The Giants are supposed to win 6.7 games, mm-hmm. and I probably didn't want to lower them more than a minus four because their season win number is respectable, but probably it's respectable because of their cupcake schedule. So probably I have the Giants overrated. So we would be looking at, I think, almost uh, for the most extreme example, the Giants. Mm-hmm. I think we had them a point and a half advantage each game because of their schedule on average, which would be almost like, like I think it's like 0.8 wins across the season. So does that sound right? Like, yes. So assume like the number 16 team was even. 
a little less than one win advantage for the easiest schedule, a little less than one win disadvantage for the hardest schedule. Mm. Does that sound right? It does. So, so assuming the lines, assuming again, the market's got a lot of money in it at this point, and these season wins get a lot of action at this point. And the Giants have gotten a ton of action in that. There's here's a team where initially their over under was like six, I think like six point six, and all the money was on the over. Optimism. The Giants season win number went all the way up to like seven point one at one point. This year you're talking. This year, okay. But and and I pay a lot of attention to this. This is like I'm gonna pull back the curtain here. I normally when you see a season win in motion, it continues in motion. Example: Dallas starts ten and a half. People are down on Dallas ten nine point eight. Just keeps moving the same direction. Same with the line. Lions keep moving up. Because it's that same theory that if Sharps batted at, let's say, a prior number, even though it's now a worse number, there can't really be enough value to get through the VIG and all that in order to say it's now value going the other way. So to really bet against a move like that, you got to believe the last bet was wrong. That's that's correct. Right. So, But what's happening with the Giants, though, the market has flipped the bird on the initial optimism and... The Giants' season win number, despite that cupcake schedule, is free-falling back to where it was early in the summer. It's currently at 6.7. Been a lot of anti-Giants people pounding under seven bets. No, I'm not sure. You follow the New York market, especially. Mm -hmm. What's the? Do you feel like the narrative is as good as ever? On the Giants? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it was negative at the start of training camp and preseason where there was the video of Daniel Jones missing throws badly and Brian Dable banning the media from releasing any footage of what they were doing in 11-on-11 drills. So I think it started out negative. But by the end of the preseason, I think there's a lot of optimism for this Giants team. Health-wise, and you know, you're getting good reports on Sterling Shepard being back from his injury, mm-hmm. and I think everyone feels good. Wandell Robinson in the latest uh, depth chart has been listed as a starter, so I think there's a lot of optimism around this team. Plus, there's a trend in my favor. Go ahead. Road dogs that did not make the playoffs the prior season in Week One, 73, 46, and four, 61 percent. This trend makes a lot of sense because we talk about every team's playing with max motivation this week. That should favor the favorites. But when you're a team and you have a disappointing year defined by not making the playoffs, and now you're painted in that underdog role, it is, it's circle uh, the wagons. Also, you don't want to start poorly again. I think that contradicts itself. I think everyone's motivated in week one. That means everyone's motivated. You think I'm listening to the trend and then just trying to justify it? No, perhaps. I, think, I think his trend makes sense. It's simply sentiment again. People take the playoffs so seriously that they – and that's why I wanted to – Mackenzie, did we get the split on uh, that trend on if you didn't make the playoffs on the road as a dog, if the team that they play made the playoffs or not? No, I haven't done that yet. uh, Any chance you'll get to that? I'll do that right now. Thank you. Um, I like that trend. Now, I'm going to be interested – if it's another team that didn't make the playoffs, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I get you'd rather have the dog all things equal. But if it's another team that made the playoffs, then I'm thinking they made the playoffs, they got love. And again, that's what this would be. But here's the difference. That assumes that this line is like what the Kansas City line did. Mm. Think about it. The Kansas City line was three um, not that long ago. This, <coughs> this was six and a half. Now this is five and a half. Kansas City's six. You could also say the last time we did see the Titans 
was in the playoff game. Tannehill throws three interceptions. Exactly. And that's they, why. Yeah. That's why, in general, the set. And listen, they just lost their best edge rusher. Exactly. So, mm-hmm. so is he worth half a point? Close to it, probably. So that ex- that explains, you know, th- half a point right there. But I think having two weeks or you know, yeah. almost ten days. Vrabel, listen, Vrabel is a great coach. So to me, when they're down, all the stuff we're saying about Tomlin, I think you, he hasn't proven it. Vrabel was long, but I, to me, I, I don't mind Tennessee in an all hands. We got to plug the, you know, plug the holes in the wall kind of thing because we got to make it to. Because li- listen, how did this team without Derrick Henry become the number one seed for half a year? And a tough schedule. Murderous I, row. Remember they, they had that yeah, five-game stretch where there's like, well, they're going to lose them all, and then they won them all. So I'm not saying that means you're going to bet Tennessee all the time. I'm just saying if there's ever a spot where this isn't just sentiment that's moving the line, it's also that injury, mm-hmm. and it's also that the wide receiver they pick doesn't look very good. And you can make a case, maybe that doesn't mean much for the entire season, but for game one, he probably isn't going to step up and be great. Right. So I think both those things matter. I just think this line is is, is kind of wacky. It's almost seen these are even. I mean, like, think about it. Back in the old days, it's like, okay, three for home. I know yeah. it's not the old days anymore. Out of eight, you know, the Titans are a, a little bit better. Let's make it, you know, five. As Bill Simmons would call the Vegas zone. I don't think that's what's going on it's here. The old flip the, if the, it's the old flip the spread conversation. If this game was yes. at MetLife, would the Giants be a point favorite? Well, it says so, yeah. Well, or let's do my two-point adjustment is could you imagine this line being three and a half, right? Or let's say three. Let's make it a little more extreme. Make our biggest bet of the year minus three. It seems crazy, right? Mm -hmm. Well, if the line was seven. Yeah, I'd probably lean to the dog. Or maybe seven. You know, yeah, I think seven and a half seems heavy. But I tell you this, if this game would have been played the day before their playoff game, if somehow the Giants were in Titans the, minus thirteen, the, this the version of Giants versus yeah. last year's the, version. The Titans, of Titans were laying. But what's really different? The with Titans the were laying four and a half against the Bengals, mm-hmm. the Super Bowl Bengals. Yeah, yeah. four and a half. And now they're laying five and a half to the Giants. Uh oh, he might I have mean, just hit the home run there. Bengals are better than the Giants. That team had Landry. That team had AJ Brown. That team. No, yeah, I, that, the, the Bengals had Chase and they had no, 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 <laughs> Burrow. I, 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 but, I mean, listen, hey, McKenzie. The Giants got Kadarius Tony. Okay, McKenzie, so let's look at these numbers because this is a good chance for us to break it down how we do this. And this is new to us, so this could be – I think it's right. In fact, I'm almost certain it's right. I don't know if it's perfect. You know, we can mm-hmm. tweak the approach. Is Let's look at the win total now um, without consideration of strength of schedule. Tennessee Titans – 9.0, New York Giants, 6.9 win total. All right, so 9.0, 6.9. Okay, what's our adjustment for Tennessee's strength of schedule? They're as good as a team with a 9.3 season win total. All right, so there's a – in a way, we're saying they have a tougher schedule than average, and that's we're going to give them a, what, three-tenths upgrade? Right. Of a win, okay? And that was based on the per game and then extrapolated out, et cetera, 34 points per win. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, and the uh, Giants? New York Giants, easiest strength of schedule. Easiest. They, they oh go from 6.9 to a 6.2 team. All right, so 0.7 win adjustment. So, Fez, does that gut feel right to you? Yes. Like, like the number one easiest schedule is worth about 0.7 wins. It, it does feel right to me. Okay. So now it, I, 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 the teams are 3.1 apart. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call them three. Mm-hmm. I'll use my, I use my, the way I calculate using these season win numbers to calculate a spread is I use a factor of 2.3. 
Mm -hmm. So I'll take 2.3 times 3. On a neutral, I'd make this game 6.9. Okay. So we had it at uh, 6.2. So, Mackenzie, explain the exact math of how we did it. We did times 17 for 17 games, then divided by 34 uh, for wins per points per win. So ends up being two factor of two instead of 2.3. Okay. So what part would you disagree with the way we did it? So say it one more time. Yeah. Press the mic button. And don't press it twice. Multiply by 17, divide by 34. I think your method's better. I've historically used 2.3 and it's roughly approximated the spreads that are dealt. Cool. So it's good that we kind of made the sausage there and we verified the number. And thus it seems to me the idea that the Titans are laying less than what they would be on a neutral probably means value. Yes. Okay. And again, it doesn't mean they're going to win. It means I think it's hard to say this line should be, you know, lower. Because really, in a way, by you saying Giants, you like them at five and a half, you're saying the line should be like three and a half. Yeah, I'd say if you do that whole practice, like I said, flipping the spread, which mm -hmm. I like to do a lot because it kind it of opens gives your eyes. perspective, yeah. Yeah, like if this game was in MetLife at this current spread, I don't think this game would be a pick em. Or the Giants. And, and, and my numbers are, way, are lower than your numbers. All right, I've got mm -hmm. the teams closer together than you do. Oh, even the market. Than the, and then the market, yes. And even with that, I still make the game six and a half. All right. I think, boy, I got a feeling it's going to be a one in four week. Whenever I see the mm. value this clearly, it's always a disaster. Um, any thoughts on this game, AJ? No, it's a, it was a total pass for me. Okay. But it's not so much just do you have anything? It's like anything it, said here that really we thought was interesting? You want to like say? I mean, there was a lot that was interesting. You, like Vrabel being a good coach, and, and I agree Vrabel is a, a better, he's a better coach than I thought he was going to be when he got the job. But one in three in season openers, uh, but, well, but here's going up against a new head coach. If you, but if you look at their, if you look at their net uh, margin, it's almost zero ATS. So they lost the close game, you know, and 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 and. Uh, well, I guess let's see. Yeah, lost the close game. One more impressively. Whenever you have a sample size that yeah. small, I think the margin matters for sure. You know? I think the margin matters more, large or small sample. Yeah, well, once you get hundreds of games, you don't need it as much, yeah. right? Because usually it's one and the same. Yes, but it's just kind of like the Pythagorean. Like if you tell me a baseball team outscored their opponent by eighty, that's more significant than what they're how many games they won. I agree. Yeah, but if they play, but if they play four hundred games, it's all going to be the same. It should even out in the same, but it, but if it doesn't, I'd still would trust the disparity in the in the run scored more than the record. So let's agree to this. That the margin always is worth something, but it's very, it's much, it's dominant in a small sample size. It's a afterthought if it's a huge sample and everywhere in between, it's on a spectrum. Agreed. All right. All right. So let's do one other game. Then we, I can't do two crossfires in a row. You guys are Andre the Giant style here. <laughs> that's, uh, our, that's our best bet. That's our best way to do it. Let's do one other game first. So Fez, you got anything else? I've got my two weight. Let's go with that. Yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and go with the Detroit Lions, and I hate to do it because Ooh, I think the Lions uh -oh. hit the beast. Uh, remember, I'm on my, I'm on my. We talked about how efficient the marketplace is, off? and now I, yeah, have, is, I, I could give you ten picks. This is my, you, this is my. <laughs> Come on, Andre. Yeah, but you wouldn't bet them. This is my fourth <laughs> I'm not best sure bet. You wouldn't. The bottom line is I've got. The, and before you leave, RJ, could you let me know what what you have these numbers? How far apart you have these two teams, if you can, because I've got them. All right, well, I was going to go get a Coca-Cola, but no chance for that. Okay, no. Um, so what game are we talking? Detroit Philly. Oh, okay. So th this is interesting because remember now, a quick aside because I am going to get a Coca-Cola, is um, 
this was the first game the Eagles ice. It's the first game the Eagle, and plus this wasn't even cold. Was this the coldest one? No, I'll go. I'll go. I'm gonna go. But I, I was just saying that I like them cold. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I figured you were gonna pour over him. ice. Remember? Do you ever see the Bad Lieutenant the uh, original in '92? No. He goes, uh, it's Harvey Cattell, and he plays a like a bad cop. What are the odds I know who Harvey Cattell is? Well, he's pretty famous. But it's me. But you know, right? No, I don't. Oh, he was just in. You saw the uh, Irishman, right? He was in that. Oh no, I, you didn't see that. I haven't seen it. Um. Anyway, he goes, shows up as a cop, and he's trying to get some money from someone, and he, there's like a beat cop there. He goes, "Hey, kid, go back and get me a tall boy." And he goes, "He goes, I like him cold. Go far in the back and get." <laughs> what kind of cop tells another cop to go get a tall boy? Uh, well, <laughs> I like it. I do too. He's a bad lieutenant. <laughs> it was actually like an X-rated, and that's the name of the movie, also. Yeah. Okay. And then there were, ended up being a follow-up where it was Nicolas Cage, Bad Lieutenant, but he was in New Orleans. It was called Port of Call. Ooh. I might have seen that movie. That was awesome. It, and you know who did that movie? Walter Herzog, who is one of the famous, most famous documentary filmmakers in the world, and that was one of his rare, rare like. Fiction movies. Nicholas Cage just fits in New Orleans. Oh, it was that. What's the sultry blonde that's from Louisiana? Also, the sultry blonde. What is that? She was in like Blind Date. With, the with, words you use for women are words I never ever well, knew anyone. That Don't sultry. worry. No, it sounds sultry. Yeah, it sounds like like, he, like it's like a greeting card. Voluptuous. Yeah. <laughs> what other word? What other? Bassinger. Kim Bassinger. Buxom lady, right there. Yeah. Kim Bassinger was from New Orleans. I think so. I believe you so. might be thinking of Lisa Bonet. No. You, you couldn't think? be further apart in two different women, by the way. <laughs> really? Yes. I think they're both beautiful in their own way. That is, that's very accurate, yeah. What was that name of the show after the Cosby show? Different... Uh, uh, different, different world. world yeah. yeah. Oh, Lisa Bonet could not wait to get away from Uncle Cosby. <laughs> Maybe she was smart. All right. Um, so, Fez, in, in this game... Oh, what I was going to say was the Eagles, though were the first the first time they ran that new offense, that rush offense, mm -hmm. was against Detroit. Mm. Remember that. So if you look at, um, oh, look, I've got the new schedule. Now, guys, I've been telling you about my super-duper schedule. Now, Fez, you are a critic. Let's be candid. It's beautiful. I mean, you haven't even seen this version. I, I My favorite is it's got probabilities of victory throughout the game, but oh, represented by a line. It graphs it. it gives you're graphing right. like the summit up to the top of the mountain if you win, or you fall down to the bottom if you lose. And uh -huh. you can see, you know, like a game like San Francisco Detroit, by example. Um, if I go ahead and look at the Detroit Lions, remember when they played San Francisco? Started close. Out real high, yeah, San Francisco. Well, it's, it was a close game, 41 33. And if you look at it, the line, it's like flat line. They, Detroit never had a chance to win that game. Never. And, and remember, this is the chance to win that um, applies the Vegas spread to it that the NFL mm. puts out. So, I mean, it's, it's a very good predictor of, like, the actual chance. So you were talking about the Detroit game against who? Week one against the 49ers. Okay, so they covered. Now, here's what's interesting. They covered the 10-and-a-half. It was 41-33. But they never went above, it looks like, above 20% chance to win the game. Never. Yeah. But see, at a glance, you can see lose or win, the score, the chart, and the spread, and if they covered or not, because it's blue if they covered and it's white if they didn't. So all the info is there at a glance. And I love you can look at the whole season 
and just a skim of the eye. Paint, paints the picture of how the game developed. So if you were just looking at the final score, you'd say, oh, that's a one that's a one score loss by Detroit. That's a mm-hmm. pretty good effort. No, not so much. You know what I just noticed? Detroit didn't have one moment of one game in the first eight games in which they had a better than 50% chance to win. Oh, when was the Baltimore Oh, game? wait, wait, wait. Boy, you just called it. In the Baltimore game, <laughs> they were down like a 15%, and, and then, then it went rocketed up, and then it rocketed down. Justin Tucker, So baby. literally, it's like there's like three minutes that they had a better than 50% chance to win the entire first half of the season. What, what, was, it, what was their percentage before, like when Justin Tucker, before that kick, what was the uh, the – the odds that the Lions were going to win that game. Oh, 66 yards? I mean, yeah. I, I, Looks like it, 99.3. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. No, 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 not that much. But, 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 but do you see how that, that's the only point where they're above 50 the yeah. entire first half of the season? Yeah. Do, do, what do you think Justin Tucker makes that about one out of six? If you knew, if the system knew Tucker, which I don't think it yeah. would, I think the system would probably say it's about a 10 to 1 shot, if not more. I think with Tucker, I think it was probably a 3 to 1 shot. Just because it's not. Because Indoors? Yeah. NFL record was 64, though, and this was 66. I think. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah. I, He's. I think I'd lay minus 350 happily. He'd miss. Well, you not minus 500. Though. You wouldn't have done too well. No. <laughs> so, so here's the thing, guys. I'm going to make this public, and not only am I going to make last year public, so you have the whole season in one. You know, really, it will be two sheets of paper if you have letter size. I have a tabloid printer, which makes it even nicer. Or you, it, it's going to be a PDF I give out. You can keep it and use the digital. And version. that's awesome because on the PDF on your, either your tablet or whatever, you can zoom in. And that's what I did to zoom in on the uh, wind So zoom in on the things. Detroit yeah. Baltimore and tell us what it looks like. Because I'm saying it looked like it was about at uh, 85%. And it's so funny. But then the second half of the year, Fez, they are above 50 about half the time. So, like, they played a lot better. Seems like the, the, the microcosm was the, like the Pittsburgh Steeler tie, where it was just like, yeah, that, that, um, that Detroit was very competitive all of a sudden. Yep. And then they had a bad game against Cleveland. Even Now, that's interesting. They, so, it gets, if you look at here at the uh, zoomed in version, <laughs> it goes all the way right there until it climbs up, mm. all the way at the end. This is crazy. Detroit lost 10 to 13 against the Browns, but they have no point they were above 20% to win. How could that even be? It's probably 13 to 3 most of the I game, mean, right? I, I don't know. Wow. Mackenzie, what was the – this is interesting. Uh, can you get the Detroit-Cleveland uh, fourth quarter win share? Sure thing. Yeah. But – so here's what I'm going to do. I don't know exactly when, but probably, quite frankly, by – in fact, by Thursday – on my Twitter, at RJ in Vegas. Sim- no other shenanigans. At RJ in Vegas. Um, I will tweet out a copy of this. And then what we got is we got the prior years we're going to put out in the next week or so. So you can get two or three years worth if you want. Just keep it. And we will have this season's in which every game that happens will get filled in. But then the look-aheads are going to tell you you know, where the game is, what time the game is played, and other trends like, uh, you know, just various trends that are noteworthy you wouldn't know, you know, that from a glance, you know, from the mm-hmm. schedule itself. So, Fez, you see how, uh, remember we were talking about the date, what time and day the game went? How's that system looking to you? 
Oh, 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 I'm going to mess this up. Because um, you told me this and how to identify. Oh, there's three, there's three nodules, left, middle, uh-huh. right. Exactly. So, so, so the far left is the Thursday. Early Thursday game. Then the middle is just a regular time on Sunday. Well, the, or, middle, or the, or the, the middle three are the three Sunday slots. Yes. Yes. First so left, one is the one, second one's the four, third one's one, Sunday so, night. The, exactly. And last one's Monday the Monday night. night on the yes, on That's the, right. the far right. Yes. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So at a glance, you know exactly where the game is. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. I can tell you that the Detroit Green Bay game in week two is Monday night. Exactly, because it's far right, right? Mm-hmm. See, now isn't that beautiful that we didn't have to take a lot of space with it? Exactly. Took a little work, I can't lie. It was kind of like contact. Remember when they cracked the code from outer space? Mm-hmm. Prime numbers. <laughs> all right. They're so prime. Guys, all joking aside, guys, I mean, Scott, you, you're not a company man too much. I mean, like, you'd speak your mind. I mean, this, uh, have you seen, I haven't seen a free schedule that, that was this, that offered what this offered. No, I'm, there's nothing like this. I like and, it. and like I said, I, I mean, for the people, it's nice to have the tactile version in your hands, but for me, and I'm sure a lot of people are very digital, and to have the ability to zoom in and, and scroll through is. Yeah, this is yeah, it's very similar to the movie Contact when Jodie Foster discovers that this is like some kind of alien message that's coming across. Mm-hmm. I think it was one of the greatest depictions of like shock and jubilation and joy uh-huh, that uh-huh. could possibly be, be conveyed so convincingly, similar to like how people are going to react when they see <laughs> this and understand it. Like her life's work being validated. And then it stops for eight seconds, and she panics, and then the sequence starts again. But it recorded. I'm so annoyed that you know Contact, but you don't know who Harvey Keitel is. Contact's a great movie, though. It is, but, like, Harvey Keitel was the pimp in Taxi Driver. Like, he's just, like, a a big-time actor. AJ, pay attention. Who's Harvey Keitel? Pay attention (laughs) to the movies I quote. It might save your life someday. Okay. (laughs) In in case he he gets left in downtown L.A. in, like, a skimpy dress? (laughs) Just a great line from Contact. <laughs> oh. And it does save her life. What, what was that now? Her, her friend, who she sleeps with just the one time and is in Matthew love with her. McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey. Okay. Never gives, heard of him. He yeah. gives her like, like <laughs> a, he gives her a necklace and says, hold on to this. It might save your life one day. And then when she's like in, the, she's not supposed to be in, inside a space yeah, yeah, seat, yeah. Uh-huh. but she is. Mm-hmm. And then if her necklace floats away in zero gravity, so she goes to retrieve it, and then the, the whole chair crumbles together and would have crushed her I to death. I never made that connection. He saved her life. Might save her, her life. Her friend so. saved her life. Matthew yeah, McConaughey. The guy. Just yeah. The coach of Marshall. We are Marshall. <laughs> yes. That's, yes, that's it. Um, what was really cool about that scene was when, she, when the thing was shaken— and she's going like, like she so wants to go. She's going like, I can't remember the phrase. Good to go. Yeah, good to go. Yeah. And she's just saying, good to go. And it's like it became like a primal thing where like nothing was going to stop her from saying good to go. It's a good movie. I'm it, back. What year is it? Steve, you don't have to try to do it. Just because you know a line doesn't mean you do the line. <laughs> You're so happy you know the line, though. Give me one more from Contact. Give me one from... Uh, the 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 the, the, the that, that the man science. doesn't belong there. Oh, oh, that was sad. Now you know the guy in space was cool. Oh yes, her uh, father. They depict made it look like her father. Mm-hmm. Yes. No, 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 no. I meant the guy who helped her that was dying of cancer. Who's on the space station? Yeah. Oh. The guy yeah. that they said later was the guy that did mm. the scam or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then there's the thing at the An end. Elaborate ruse. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. <laughs> And then, but then at the very end, last thing is when they go the, the two like 
and NSA guy people, the gal and uh, James Woods. Giving her a hard time, yeah. Or talk, well, at the end, it's over, and the hearing's over, right? And it was a cool turnaround on faith again, you know, right? Yeah. And then it's like, I did find it curious, like the, the lady said, I did find it curious that the amount of, because uh, they said on the recorder there was just blank yeah, a fuzzy recorded, recorded for eight hours. Which, yeah. which was the exact amount of time that she said she was gone. Mm-hmm. And he goes, that was curious, wasn't it? And then that was like the last scene of the movie, mm-hmm. which shows you it's not about right and wrong for the deep state. Mm. Right, Mackenzie? You got it. <laughs> You're probably smart just not to have the headphones on when you ask me a question. But I said you got it. You got it? Amen, brother. You got it? You want to you want to do another take on that? Three, two, one. All right. What do you think, Mackenzie? I agree. Uh-huh. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> oh man. You know, one time I, I did business with someone and someone told me it's like wrestling a barrel of snakes. Doing business with this guy. It's kind of like that with Mackenzie, just trying to get him on the straight and narrow. <laughs> wrestling a barrel of snakes. <laughs> But each snake is a different personality of his with his multiple personalities. Have you been diagnosed with DID? No, I was checking for bipolar, uh, not bipolar. What is it? Borderline personality. That's what you uh, said. Yeah, I think you might have, uh, it's called a disassociated identity something. It's just basic disassociation. Look that up, DID. Isn't that like Ted Bundy? No, I don't think he thought he was someone else. I mean, like, this is someone who thinks they're someone else. So, so an extreme case is like Sybil, right? Okay. But really what it is is almost anyone that's had tra- true trauma is disassociated from it because the human mind protects itself against feeling something like that without any um, cushion in a way, without diminishing it. So let's say you walked in and saw some horrible thing, right, whatever is your mind, you're going to almost feel like someone else saw that. You're going to feel like that wasn't you. And most people are truly troubled from, like, uh, childhood abuse. You know, if it's sexual, if it's getting beat or whatever, they're usually, like, the driver the rest of their lives of issues is their disassociation. But the catch-22 is they couldn't have made it through unless they did that. Mm -hmm. Because if they would have been in every moment, uh, if that was them that was getting that done to them, how could they deal with mm. it? So I don't know what it was that was done to Mackenzie, but he somehow he, he disassociated. Does that? How, what do you think of that reading? Does that sound right? I'm just trying to think what the trauma is. I have no doubt that it's accurate that I have this disorder. I'm just I trying to figure out I would have thought you caused the trauma, but who knows? Oh, at least in a few. <laughs> All right, so Cleveland, by the way, in that Detroit game was at 89.5%. So even though it was a 13-10, they mm. hardly had a chance of losing the game. Okay. So go to pre or go to, and I'll probably put it in the forums too, but go to my Twitter at RJ in Vegas and it will be free. And then next week we'll have the current season and we'll update that every week. Mm-hmm. All right, Fez, how are you doing? You, you're in the middle of a game, right? Yeah. So Philly, Detroit, I have these teams four and a half points apart. Okay. And we were 5.4. Ooh, okay. Interesting. Because that's really my my whole handicap is that because I'm four and a half apart, one group are pretty close to it. So I give Detroit two for home field, 
and now I'm, I'm, I'm hitting the key number of three, and you're close to it. You're at 3.4. I'm at three, mm-hmm. and I'm catching four. So it's a pure number play. If I can well, catch— really, though, the difference is the whole point. The difference, yes. I mean, meaning if, if we're right, it's not a play. Yeah, because if you make it 3.4 and you're taking plus four, that's not good enough. So really, it's the difference between our ratings of the teams. So, yes. Mackenzie, uh, just going to the actual numbers after strength of schedule, what are our numbers for Philly and Detroit? All right, got that right here. Detroit, we're at 6.4, adjusted win total for strength of schedule. Philly, 9.1. So how, how does yours calculate that? So I'd have the difference between those two numbers being 2.7. Uh-huh. So I multiply by 2.3, and I get you know approximately what your number is. So, yeah. yeah. Let me th- so I'm not saying now, but here's the question. Don't you have to identify which of those numbers you disagree with? Yeah. Um, the Philly, I agree with the 9.1. So it's Detroit I have higher. I have De- You have Detroit as a 6.4, and I've got them rated as a minus 3 team, which would be better than a, much better than a 6.4. So I wonder, maybe the hard knocks and everything has gotten to even oh, – maybe it's gotten to even me that I've got Detroit overrated. You, you, could, you. Also, you could also say, though, that the Eagles have received a lot of love. I think these are offseason. two of the yeah. three or four teams with the most love. Yes. But you're not pricing the Eagles that high. You're pricing them as a 9.1 adjusted for schedule. So that's just saying they're just a little bit better than so, an average team. And that's so where the I've Eagles got. improved their roster a lot where the Lions – really didn't. And so there's a reason why the Eagles are getting more love. They add AJ Brown and Hassan mm-hmm. Reddick. The Lions, what like what's the Lions big addition this offseason? See, to me, that's the same thing I think that it, I don't like that line of thinking. Just like I don't like it, Scott, when you talk about, well, let's look here, there are four point fate when we were looking at season wins. Mm-hmm. To me it's zeroing in on one thing when it's like the holistic view is what matters. So to me, like how many how many, like, if you make three, this, uh, and I'm not saying Philly hasn't. Let's actually look at Philly positively. They got that cornerback from, or the safety slash corner from the Saints, right? Mm-hmm. Which was a recent get, and the Saints just didn't want to pay him. They traded him, like, yep. for a seventh, sixth-round pick, whatever. Okay. That, to me, is, like, is that a, an eighth of a point, a quarter point? But it's something, right? You add those up, it can really mean something. And if you just look at the big names, now in this case, Philly did both the small and the big. I, I'm not sure. And, again, why does it even matter compared to last year? Because the question isn't how good they are compared to last year. The question is how good they are compared to what the season win was at the beginning of this market is what the movement's going to be, right? Yeah, and I just want to be clear. I, I wasn't saying that the – the veracity to bet the Eagles should be because of those moves. I'm just saying it's easy for me to understand why people would would give love to the Eagles because they did improve their roster, theoretically. But, but I'm not sure if that matters. If, they, if it improves the roster X amount, but the market thinks you improved 2X, it's a bad thing. No, you're right. It's all about expectation, yeah. right? And I think that the Philly has... So Mackenzie, what was our opening number? Let's forget strength of schedule for a second. What was how much upgrade was there in Philly? How much upgrade was there in Detroit during the, from the beginning of this market onward? Philly was the most upgraded team. They went from eight and a half, eight and a half to nine point eight, nine point eight. So one point three wins. Did I pay you for that? You did. Thank <laughs> you. Yes. All right. <laughs> And how about Detroit? The second most improved team. They went from six wow. at open to 6.9. Okay. So it seems like the question is how much of this is BS 
And, and it feels like if there's any BS quotient, it's going to be on the Detroit side. Yeah, and may, maybe I've, I bought into the BS a little bit too much. Probably so, because my numbers, like I said, are off versus the market's numbers. And that's why I'm landing on them, because it's pure numbers play, you know, based upon that. Now, what would be nice is I know they keep these season wins open now, but their markets aren't near as liquid. So, like, each – I mean, we can do this every week, but it won't have the, you know, veracity of – this way. This is a really strong point because what RJ is saying, the the efficiency of the season win market was rather inefficient two months ago, but now it's it's really getting efficient. Other than maybe a, a few teams are overhyped, you know. That they and week to week, it, there's not even enough time to get a liquid. But, but yeah, but now let's face it, the spreads are always going to be sharper than the season win numbers. And the look-ahead numbers on the spreads— I think other than week one. Other than week—other than one, yes. The look-ahead numbers on the spreads um, are a semi-efficient market. Well, the season win numbers that are going to put up after week two, three, four are a very inefficient model. And like Scott and I, I think, illustrated that when during the summer. We did a lot of pods, and we talked about baseball bets that we mm-hmm. liked. And I think we're going to go like eight and two on the ten bets that we recommended. And frankly, the ones we're going to lose, we're going to just barely lose like the twins over. And the ones we're winning are just like we're just kicking butt with. And, and, and I think that we can do this in reverse and say, hey, unless the market for the game in week two or three or whatever, there's a reason that it's off, right, because of matchups or whatever then we can take advantage of some of these season win opportunities and, and bet against them. Yes. Right? Yes. And a lot of times the markets, I my take is that the market's too stubborn. What the market does is they tend to price all these teams. They certainly did in baseball where they said, like the Reds, oh, it doesn't matter the Reds start 0-6. Mm. You know, the Reds were going to price as a 73-and-a-half win team. Well, they're not a 73-and-a-half win team. You know, that's, so they price the Reds too optimistically. I think the reason the market is so inefficient beyond the lack of liquidity because if the bookmaker themselves opened up a good line it would still be fairly efficient is i don't think they really account for how much a winner let's say a team's supposed to have a 50 percent chance to win a game if they win it they're plus a half if they lose it they're minus a half right because their expectation was a half so either get zero or one it feels like the math of that is so incontrovertible on, yeah, controvertible. Yes, is you've never used that word. Yeah, ever. But I didn't. I'm not <laughs> sure I used. There, I used two of them there. Two, two different pronunciations. But but the fact is, it's so you can't debate it. Immutable, we'll call it. Then it it, it, it makes it where they seem to resist that. It's like, but but they look good. It's like it seems like they put a lot of against sentiment into those numbers because it really is. I mean, is it Avello's putting out the numbers, right? I, I think look. in football there's a tremendous amount of sentiment, but in baseball there was no sentiment. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, so so like DraftKings. But you're led, saying they were bucking the math again. You're saying no, they, they started they, zero and six, and you're saying that really got to matter more than they made it matter. Is what no, what they said. did, what they did is they said the Reds. They they they, they took the next 156 games and they mm-hmm. said the Reds are supposed to win 40. 6% of their game. So I'm going to take 156 times 0.46 to be how many they're going to win mm-hmm. and not adjusting for the fact that they just got outscored by 20 runs the first six games so of the year. They, they didn't re- change the power ranking. That's huh? right. Okay. So, but in football, I think they do. Well, you know what we should do? Let's look each week because we'll have time. You know, now that we're doing the Monday, overnight Monday, release Tuesday recap, we'll have time if we want to do something like. Let's look at the season wins, compare them to the spreads, and see where the 
differences are and let's track the types of differences and see how they're wrong. How, how reactionary they are yeah, to what the are small they sample. getting wrong? Because yep. to me, if, if I think a number's wrong and I don't know why they've got the number they got, it scares me. It freezes me. I only want to, I know why the Giants are a little short here, I think. Mm-hmm. It's because I believe the Titans have had a horrible offseason by public perception, and the Giants have Dayball, who gets a lot of love. Mm-hmm. And you know what? For game one, it probably doesn't help, mm. right? Because if anything, it, some of these coaches come in, it's worse at the beginning because they're fundamentally changing things. I don't know. I'm not saying that's going to be the case with Dayball. I don't know. So, so to summarize this play, you don't disagree with it. You just don't think there's enough value. I'm yeah. taking four, and you think it should be three and a half. Yeah, but I would say if there's any team I, that's gotten the most love, it's the Eagles. So if I'm fading the Eagles, I mean, this, the might Lions be your are only, top this might be five. your only chance to play the yeah. Lions and have the less public team. That That's well said. Yes. <laughs> right? So maybe it is right. Okay. What else? Oh, we got our crossfire. I got my Coca-Cola ready. You go ahead, buddy. All right. I will be <laughs> I'll be on the Colts minus 7 and Ooh. against the Texans. And here's part of this is if you woke up at 8:30 this morning, you could have bet Texans plus 8 for uh, for again for some reason that I don't understand. Suddenly the the Texans are a point better than they were this morning. So no, we should say this. And I'm not saying there wasn't any case of this against me either. If there's a uh, a syndicate buy where the line's moving and it's all moving in concert at the same time, we can say we disagree with that. They might be dummying up the game to set it up for something else. Can't, you know, but you can't. It can't be. Oh, the dum dums are batting. Right, so in this a way, was an 18-second move from eight to seven. Was that right? Effort. Okay, yeah. so this Amazing. that means it's more likely to be not more likely. It's, so, it's certainly. certainly sharp money. The question is what their intention is. Could be other than this, you know. But mm-hmm. uh, they, they aren't usually going to bring down a favorite to a key number to lay seven. Right, that's going to be pretty rare. Unless they're looking to tease the heck out of it, which but is then they don't have to get it to seven. They just get it to seven and a half. It's a lot better to tease a seven. Well, than it's an just eight. not true. The cost, the money it would cost to dummy it up down to seven is not worth the difference between. And, you, you know, I'm not sure about that. And here's, I wanted to talk to you about well, this. Yeah. So I have a book, just one book. I can open up like 20 teasers. With, the, with just when the open second, I can put first spot in Indy, mm-hmm. second spot uh-huh. open. When do you have to close it? Um, within a week. Okay. All right. So by week by by week two. So I could literally I can bet just at that one book I can jam twenty thousand if I wanted to. And I could go all in. I could I could just keep going. So the limit. So you're saying the limits are such that even though you have the same one side of it, they don't look at that as betting the same thing. That's right. Okay. But I can't imagine they're going to let you do that. I don't. Yeah, I don't know how many books are. What I'm saying is, once you do that, they're going to tell you you can't do that. They might invalidate the bets. Mm, Well, this book hasn't, but that, but that, but I'm just saying that I can play a whole bunch. I can play a whole lot more on the teaser than I can on the side. Mind if you have a bunch of tickets that don't add up to much more than the limit. And I'm not saying that's what you're doing. And they won't let me play identical teasers. No, that's a nickel limit per per unique teaser. And that brings up another point: how many different advantage teasers are going to be in a week, right? right? Well, this if, week there's like eight. Do- yeah, so well, if you count the minus sevens, which you probably shouldn't count. No, not at all. Yeah. I don't think. Now, I, I think you've been very innovative on saying if it's seven, like 125, there's a way to make it work. Right, right? but not when it's a pure seven. Right? Yeah. 
Okay. And again, the, the basic, you hear it called a Wong teaser from Stanford Wong or an Advantage teaser is, and MTI did a lot of good work with this too. I think some of the best work, to be honest, moving through and it's best to move up through. So you take the dog and you go through three and seven. So hmm. if it's a six point teaser, uh, one and a half becomes seven and a half. Good. Two becomes eight. Now eight's become a more key number. Yeah, and in fact, um, because eight, and the reason being when a team's down 14 and they score late, now in college football, they still kick the extra point. This happened in the Clemson game um, on Sunday night. The In the NFL now, I'd say more than half the teams are doing what the Philadelphia Eagles pioneered, down 14, score touchdown, for late fourth quarter, you go ahead and go for two. If you do the math, assuming you make a two-point conversion half the time, you win five-eighths of the time by going for two and assuming you get another touchdown. So do you, do you think there's a counter to that, or is that immutable? Immutable. Okay, so why all these college professors all around, PhD students all around, they can't figure this out? They can't because they have a here, – well, here's their, their logic. They have a five-eighths chance to win and a three-eighths chance to get fired. Because if they go because, for two and they wind up losing, everyone says, "Oh, you know, you could have just, you could have just, you, you could have just lose. gone to overtime." You don't get fired by an IBM. It's, yeah, it's easier to play not to lose than to play the win probability charts and to win. Yes. Awesome. All right. Next game. What we got? We're oh, on we the Colts Texans. Yeah. Go, uh, Texans last year, the the two Colts games, thirty one three and thirty one nothing, and they're the real reasons why those games were so lopsided is. The, the Texans couldn't run the ball against the Colts, and the Colts ran however they, they the new, wanted. The new best back in the league? The new best back in the league, <laughs> yeah, Damian Pierce. But Jonathan Taylor, 288 yards and four touchdowns in those two games. And then on the other side for the Texans— So let me ask you a question. And I'm not saying this in a rhetorical way like there's a clear answer. Okay. Faz, hang one second. I want to oh. see—I want your opinion on just one question. Mm-hmm. In general, when a team does something like that twice to a team in division— is that a good sign or a bad sign? Meaning it would seem the team is spending the, their focus on how do we stop this division opponent from doing that to us again? In general, in the NFL, it seems like the last thing it's ever going to happen is the same way you beat someone down, beat them down. You're going to beat them down again the next year that way because the theory is that's what they're trying. That's the one thing they got to stop, right? I mean, how do you think about it? I think you nailed it, that you start out with the level one thinking this team has a mismatch, fundamental advantage, the other team can't stop us from running, but the disadvantage is what do you do when you play them after pounding them 31-3 to back-to-back games? Well, you run Jonathan Taylor. We know that's going to win, so now your opponent knows exactly what you're going to do. So it's the zigzag theory. The zigzag says advantage the team to, that's going to make the adjustment, disadvantage the team that's up 2-0 and it's going to do the same thing they did the first two games. I'm not sure that I think I think there's logic in that that I tend to agree with. We can do a study on this. this is interesting if a team and one and I think it's interesting within the year versus because if it's in division they're going to play twice, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think they can always make adjustments soon enough because you can't change personnel. But in theory, what did the Chargers do, right? They got run on. They they got a couple of tough defensive linemen. In general, you usually plug your holes, right? Now, you follow the Texans pretty closely. Do you feel like they've done anything on defense? No. Okay. But you've, you've never had a good word to say about the Texans. Uh, the Texans' offense should be 
slightly improved this year. Wow, that's, that's because strong. of their running back. I, yeah. All right, so uh, continue. The, the other the other factor in these games has been DeForest Buckner, and the Colts the last couple years have not had a good pass rush. They got they got a lot of love this offseason for signing Yannick Ngakwe. They should be better. Against the Texans, though, they've had great success rushing the passer because DeForest Buckner has been rushing from the defensive tackle position where the Texans' offensive line is the weakest in the middle. The last four games against the Texans, Buckner's had six sacks, three quarterback hits, and 11 hurries. And Davis Mills, I know there's a lot of people who say great things about Davis Mills, under pressure last year, 28.2 PFF grade, which was the second worst in the NFL, nine turnover-worthy so under, throws but, but, under but, duress. But here, here's the thing. What do we know about under pressure? That it's it's v- random. So that means, if anything, he's got a huge upside. Sure. I like it. Okay. Here's To me, this is simple. This isn't one of my favorite plays because I can see the Colts coming out breathing fire, right? But I also see the following is that Frank Reich is 0-3-1 against the spread his first game. So he's never cut co- four games, never covered. And what's our ATS margin on that, McKenzie? One second. Yeah. So right off, that's one. Of, I mean, it's like there's not a lot of really bad. There's some de- good first week. First, Minus 8.3 ATS margin for Frank Wright. Yeah. So he's losing by eight points a game over three ga- or four games. That tells me they start slow. And last year there was talk about it. there was a lot of talk. We're gonna change this. We're gonna couldn't do it. Now you got a new quarterback. You know it's gonna it's a slow go with a new quarterback typically. Um, plus, if you actually look at, let me see here. Now the Texans have a new coach and a new DC, so there's a negative there. Is I was gonna say is that what keeps you from liking this a lot? Is the 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 changes for the Texans? No, I think it's more. So it's 8.4 is what the, the market says, all right? The line is seven right now. And if you give one and a half for home field, you know, it, it can't be again. You know, to be honest, I wasn't following this line as closely. If I would have known that it, this just moved, I'm less inclined to like it. Um, but the fact it moved as a, a syndicate play, I it makes me like it more. Though I'm getting the worst number, obviously, and seven such a key. So I don't know. I, I to me, it's the Frank Reich stuff, and it's the whole idea that Matt Ryan is going to save the day. I'm just not so sure about that. Do you think Matt Ryan's an upgrade from Carson Wentz? I don't know. Mm. I I mean, I would say this. I don't think he had a good as year last year. Right? I mean, look yeah, at I agree. Look at the sacred P, uh, QVR. <laughs> I mean, so the, now it's a, the theory is Atlanta was a lost cause. So, I mean, I don't know. Who, who do you think is Do you think if Wentz – don't forget, Wentz's stats were really good, like quite good. Fez, do you think that uh, if we had to say over under QBR, um, will Ryan do as well – as Wentz did last year, just QBR-wise, what would you say? Ryan's slightly better. Yeah, the question is, is it is A, I mean, he looked old at the end. Is it he just was not trying as hard? What? I, I think there was a little bit of that. Like, I, I, maybe I'm biased by Stafford getting the bump by going to the Rams 
and maybe I could see Matt Ryan the same thing. It's like, okay, now I'm with a contender that should win the division, and now he's not going to like go through the motions and he's going to play a little bit better. So here's what I'm going to say. This coach is my – or my Texans is probably my least favorite play. And I, if I had it to do over, I'd probably pick another game. So, you, you know, know I, I, I make – from a power rating perspective, you know, it's, it's interesting because I did a – Because I got an 8.4 on a neutral. I have an 8 on a neutral. And, for, and from a, a, a power rating perspective, you know, that it, it was overwhelming for, for Houston. I actually went and did well, a – It was when it was 8? I did a pod this morning. I said, I actually made this game six, but I'm reluctant to take eight. And, like, literally, I don't even <laughs> think the pod hit uh, before. See, that's what I don't get. If you know you're on a unpublic side, like a very uh, – ro- not a rogue side, but a side that's unpopular, and you're getting value, that's what you got to grab. I mean, it's like – I actually said I'm supposed to bet this, but I can't I can't why? do it. Which Because I don't like Lovey Smith at all, and I hate betting mm. on a coach I can't stand. Well, I mean, if you don't like a coach, it's, you don't like a coach. It's I mean, part of why you wrote down the Texans because you knew I would have no, I'd be going because, against them. <laughs> no, I, I got to be honest with you. Is I do believe if you're losing by eight points a game in four opening games, it means something. Mm. And, that, and that's what Frank Reich is doing. And now you got a new quarterback, and he's had a new quarterback now seven straight years or whatever. I mean, it is like a crazy number. Cause, yeah. So the question is, is that the cause of it? Is it, it takes a while to integrate the new quarterback? If so, why doesn't that repeat itself? Right? At seven and a half, I love it. It's just a seven. So. And from a betting perspective, when we see a line go from eight to seven, it's not going to go to six and a half. It's probably going to leak right back to seven and a half. If it goes from eight to se- oh, oh, I know you think. Yeah. Boy, I- when it goes like th- oh, this. Oh, is- see, to me, once the wise guys make their statement, the books will be lopsided with fate with public money and not go to seven and a half because they don't want any more of that action. They're fine being lopsided the other mm. way. Boy, I never see it go really. When, whenever I see like a drastic, like it moved a point within ten seconds. Uh-huh. If, it, if if it had gone from eight, like in June, yeah. to seven and a half. So it was like a big, seven. Was a big limit order thing. Okay. Yeah. So the. Big limit orders. I I think they they they're done. They're they're finished and then they, they don't move done, anymore. But I don't think the books have any appetite to go back to the number. Yeah, but then the public's going to look at it and like. In fact, my, my my betting pro friend Pastrami, I'll call him. Well, how about just text me? He's like, sound? why did that line go all the way down to seven? It makes no sense. How's this sound? Why don't we do a hundred on? Does this line close at seven and a half? If, if it closes seven and a half at Chris, you win. If if it goes lower, I win. That sounds good. And seven is a push? Yeah, not three. No. no. Oh. No, I he lose seven. You think it's going to yeah. Oh, okay. Well, Chris. Well, Chris. <laughs> no, I just, I, didn't, I was trying to understand the bet. Yeah, I'll go. Been insane. I'll go 300. No, let's just do 100. Okay, That's 100's fine. good. That's it. I just called you the best in the world at this shit. And, <laughs> and I don't mind like trying to win. See, that's the difference between you. I don't need a massive edge every time I bet. 100's good. Every bet I make is a chance for me to learn something, right? If go. I can break even, I'm fine on the tough bets. Right. You win seven, I win seven and a half. Yes. Exactly. And I win six, you know, obviously lower. And, yeah. yeah. Okay. So. Not, I mean, you were so quick to want to go three. That worries the fuck out of me. <laughs> what, what is it? That you, is this just instinct or you have something on this? I just got a text from, from my, my buddy, the most successful betting guy that I know in the world, that said, why is this line all the way down to seven? Which is his, that's his, his saying, I want to fire on the favorite. Well, he should. Yeah. Tell him, tell him go for it. <laughs> I don't think, I mean, you know, we'll see. All right. Huh. Well, so for, that contradicts you liking it at seven Completely. and a half. Completely. Yes. Yeah. 
I think maybe he, maybe you should, t you know, actually it's interesting. If you don't mind, why don't you say, Hey, Reich is, uh, hasn't cut four, four, uh, first games, hasn't covered, uh, ATS margin minus eight points. Do you, is that something you would consider? Like, however you would ask him that, right? I'm going to do it right now. Cause that's interesting. Yeah. I think it's important. I probably care about more trends than most people do, but I, there's a, I probably dismiss more trends than most people. I just consider more, and then I dismiss most of them, but I don't dismiss some. I think the the trends week one matter more than any other trends because the preparation, the lead-up, all of that stuff is— There's it, something certainly definite about yeah. it. Yeah. Or definitive about it. So, that, I mean, I, I know you're, you've kind of softened on this. I've softened on it as well, hearing that. So well, This is the vision dog as well. Another trend that we talked about. Oh, that's an interesting point. Division dog. How are you betting against a division dog? I didn't know the division dog thing until we sat down today uh -huh. either. So. Uh huh. Okay. What else we got? Anything? All right. So, Fez, let's go through the games we haven't talked about with one minute each. Oh, I got my one wait. Sorry. All right. Continue. Chargers. Minus 3.25. Wait. You know what I think I'm seeing with you now? You're afraid to bet the, the, the sharp side sometimes because it's not popular. And then you don't have any games left, so you have to take the lesser of evils. Like you can't like the Chargers. I can like the Chargers. I have the Chargers three points better than the Raiders. Okay. Now I get, I get that's going to be a pro Raider crowd in Southern California. So let's say no home field. So if I say no home field, I make the line three. You know what? The line's three and a half. The line's 3.25. Well, see, it's funny how you got your line. Right now, at our representative one book, it's, it's minus 3, minus 30. How's that 0.25? That's 3.5. All right. I, Mackenzie, I passed the Chargers. I got nothing. See? I'm seeing more 3.5s than I am 3 minus 120, but they're both out there. So you're seeing 4? I got a 4. Who has a 4? DK has a 4. That's a big book. It's DraftKings. Four, <laughs> four minus oh five. So four minus one oh five. Three point eight. Yeah. yeah. Three point eight. Wait a minute. Three and a half, and they're saying four and five cents difference. Okay, so it's gonna be halfway. Three, three point eight five. Okay, I accept that. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I think three seven five. If any. Okay. So anyway, it's not three point two five. All right, I don't like it. <laughs> I need to get minus three. I don't like it. Now, you like you like the Chargers, don't you? Yeah, I I, I thought when I did my notes, it was three minus one twenty. I don't. It's a Jesus pass. I don't Christ. want it at three it's and like a half either. It's like, do you guys go to radio silence? I mean, well, what do you want? Do you want me to you take want, a bet at three and a half that I, I liked want, at three? No, no, I want you to be looking at the lines when you are submitting your picks. Like, if you look at noon, and it's a certain line, and now we're submitting our picks at four fifteen, you probably want to take another glance at the line. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you got all your games covered? Uh, we got all of, no Vikings. Okay. Vikings. Uh, Ooh, fascinating game. I love them. So I the line we're seeing is what, about one and a half Packers? Yeah. All right, go ahead. Yeah, I love this team. Uh, I think that you can't – you have to credit the what this offense is going to look like under Kevin O'Connell this year. Well, yeah, because Zimmer was such a bad Absolutely. I also I'm think, joking. I also think that you have to consider the Packers' turnover at wide receiver – all the issues that they have dealt with in the preseason. Rodgers didn't play at all at the preseason, but he never does. Last season, they came out of the gate and laid an absolute egg in week one. Now, they went on to, I brought it up before, they won thir their next 13 straight games, right? So, I think that week one is the time to pounce on 
the Green Bay Packers and having the Vikings at home where they have to pounce on the Green Bay Packers, like yeah, like attack them. Oh, like that's oh. what I mean. Like you know, like, I'm I'm lurking. You're I'm pouncing against. Yeah, yeah, the I'm, Green I'm, Bay. I'm getting ready to attack. Yeah. You know, I got the claws out. I think at home the Vikings have arguably the best home field advantage in the NFL. I agree, and they are very live to win this division. They got to have this win if they want to win the division. But they probably don't have as much of that big edge facing the Packers who are used to it. Yeah, but the division last five game. years, the Packers have, or the Vikings have, they've got a better record against the Packers. Like, it's, like, and this is a, over five years where the Packers have been a much better team. The Vikings head to head with the Packers have been better. There, there is something about what does mean their better? matchup. What does it mean better? Uh, they, they're four, four, four three, and, and one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who was the coach? A different coach. I was a great coach. Yeah. I meet him. Zimmer, second best against the spread, was the best for a long time, and then even after the down year for Zimmer, I still just barely beneath Belichick's against the spread record. Now, Green Bay obviously laid an egg last year against the Saints, right? It was the first game. Mm-hmm. And if you, well, I got my sheet. Now, if you think about it, does that follow what we were talking about about Houston, which is are they going to be especially focused week one because they laid an egg probably i mean you would think but you also got a team that's going to be better green bay as the year progresses when you have such a fundamental change at receiver that has to be something you get better as time passes you're not going to be your best week one Mm -hmm. so that's a minnesota advantage only thing i think is you use circular logic to me when you say minnesota is live for the division so they got to win this game who says they're live for the division I mean, the odds aren't that close, right? I mean, there's a lot of, like, wannabe sharps that are mm-hmm. acting like Minnesota's the sharps. I'm not talking about this game. I'm saying overall, I mean, 13 wins, some people are saying. Again, how you think losing one of the best coaches in football helps you. The fact that they think it's going to help them is an indictment of them as football people. In one week, we might be talking about O'Connell being the worst game manager we've ever seen. I, never... I, I say live because their win total is at nine and a half games. Okay. Right, which is what the Packers are at ten and a half, so it's one game back. Packers 11.2. eleven point two. So, so if okay. we if we look at the point adjustment for this, right, it's a uh, Packers three point two, is what the market says. Mm-hmm. So in theory, there's some real value on the. So they, well, no, because no, the, the Vikings home. You have to give the Vikings a home. Let's give it three even. So yeah, and you're anything, going through the three. You might, you might say Packers minus one, but it's probably in between. It's like Packers minus one oh five on the money line. I'd say, and in truth, it's going to be what minus one minus thirteen. I see. So like one and a half, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, I think there is some value in the Vikings. I, th- you know, more I think about this, if. You, the, the question mark of Minnesota to me is the new coach, how, game one, mm-hmm. we don't know what we're going to get, right? The question for Green Bay to me is new receivers. It's going to be difficult early with the new receivers. And they did start bad last year, mm-hmm. so maybe they're going to fix it. Maybe they're not. Mm, that makes me lean Minnesota. What would you lean, Fess? I'd lean Minnesota also. AJ? Same. They are my favorite teaser leg. This All they week. do is play close games, right? They are, like, by far... Look Zimmer. at your chart. Everything's going to be close <laughs> they, to 50%. They, they are, by far, pushing them north of seven. It's a great they point. They are, by with Zimmer, my favorite teaser made different. Leg. More volatility with a new coach. This week. So you find another teaser leg to pair with it. The Vikings are my favorite. Oh, yeah, I think Ball Fez open. is right about what he's saying. I mean, I'm not saying the Vikings aren't a good teaser leg, but I think Zimmer was a good 
teaser coach because he was going to always be in close games. I don't know if Why that's going to that? Because he, when you prioritize defense, there's there's less uh, less swings, I guess, in a Zimmer I game. I think the than, answer, to me, the answer is because he wouldn't throw when he's ahead. He doesn't press his He didn't more press conservative his play calling. Yeah, he didn't press it. So when they're behind and they're forced to throw, Cousins does really well. Then they get ahead, and he gets conservative and lets it exactly. Get so he doesn't he doesn't cover t- by a lot when he's a big favorite, but he stays in the game when he's a dog. So look at this, Fez. If you look at Minnesota, almost every game they have at least half the time above fifty, and some of them just massively. But then the three last games. It's almost like they have zero time above fifty. At least the last two of the remember, last. Remember three. that that week seventeen was when Captain Kirk decided to catch COVID, and they put Sean Mannion, and and that's why they got they got destroyed was, against. Was that against Green Bay? Yes. Okay, that was thirty-seven ten, but they lost against Los Angeles thirty to twenty-three. But they weren't above like thirty percent at any point in the game. Still covered game. a seven and a half though. Teaser. No, no. Oh, teaser. <laughs> they were four and a half point, uh, and they lost because they lost by seven. And then finally Chicago. Okay, and they won that game handily. But, boy, not really looking at this. Chicago, Minnesota last week, I don't remember that. But they weren't really above 50 hardly much of the game. That doesn't make sense, does it? They won 31-17. Hmm. What's our fourth quarter win share? Chicago, Minnesota, week 18. One second. All right. Now, we got a best bet from Diamond Dave Astler. And it was on the Chargers game, which was just the game before. Let's listen to that, and then we'll come and wrap up. Let's listen to Diamond Dave. NFL Week 1, I love, and I bet the Chargers minus 3, minus 120 over the Raiders. And yeah, the Raiders were 4-0 in the preseason. They beat Jacksonville, Miami, Miami, who they allowed 6 yards per play to, the Vikings B-team versus B-team, and the Patriots. They did all this without Derek Carr taking a snap or throwing a pass to Devontae Adams. Josh McDaniels is not Bill Belichick. Derek Carr is not Tom Brady. Carr needs reps. I think that works against him this Sunday. Remember, their season win total is still only 8.5, and and I am far from buying the hype as well. I don't think Patrick Graham will dramatically change their defense. His first year as D.C., the Dolphins were last in points allowed in 28th and turnovers created. Two years with the Giants, New York's defense wasn't elite, and I, for one, think Chandler Jones is not going to replace Ngakwe. Also, Rocky Sin is not Casey Howard, so I don't think really much is going to change on defense for the silver and black. Not much has to change on the bolts for their offense. They needed upgrading on defense. They signed arguably one of the best linebackers in the league in Khalil Mack, likewise signing quarterback J.C. Jackson from New England, who the Patriots thought enough of to part with Stephon Gilmore. Up and down the rosters, there just aren't that many places where the Chargers aren't the better team. It's easier to upgrade a defense than an offense. I think the Chargers have done a much better job of that this offseason. Their season win total is a full two games better than the Raiders. And after their bye last season, the Raiders went 5-5, five and five, failing to score 17 points in seven of those games. I think that carries over into the first part of this year. I think L.A. is the far better team. The books think L.A. is the far better team. I bet the Chargers minus a field goal over the Raiders. So, Faz, Diamond Dave did this like 24 hours ago, recorded, sent it, all that. He had the same line you were trying to push off on us now. Yes, but but the only <laughs> difference is his line was accurate and my line was inaccurate. Well, as a contemporaneously <laughs> yes. accurate. All right, so we've discussed this game. I mean, we didn't really discuss the game. We just complained about the line. So tr- let's look at the math on it real quick now. Uh, and, again, we're just using the season wins to tell us what the spread should be. 
And in this game, Chargers... Season wins again adjusted for strength of schedule. Yes, thank you. Uh, Chargers 2.2 better. So you give them, again, we're thinking this home field is zero. Zero. Because the theory is they get something for being in their home city. But then the fact that the crowd's going to be like 70% Raiders is a negative. Let's it say might even be more. Even yeah. that. Offset, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know they dread that. You know they got to dread that. If you're the Chargers, seeing your own, like your own fans. It's got to be depressing, especially when you're, you know, you're, you're, you're a sexy team. You should have a lot of following, you know. And L.A. is such a Raider town. Well, I wonder, and I'm not saying it's going to matter for this game because I do think uh, against the Raiders particularly, but I wonder if the Chargers. Let me guess, this is going to be pro-Chargers. No, I'm just asking. Like, in L.A., when you win, fans show up. Like, do, do we think at some point this Chargers home field is going to, like, actually be something? No, not as long no as the Rams win. Not as long as the Rams win. I mean, the theory is there's no one. In, I mean, people that live in L.A. say you, you can't meet someone that likes the Chargers. So, like, will they come up from they, – they lost their constituency in a way. Yeah, they're unwanted. They're, they're vagabonds. They don't, ha- they don't have, there's no one, like you're saying, if you would awaken the fan base, right. except I don't think it exists. I, like if they win a Super Bowl, let's say they win the Super Bowl this year, next it, year. Be another genera- maybe another generation. Of, no okay. one starts liking a team when they're like 40. Okay. I mean, I guess there's front and no, Well, the people in San Diego might still like them, but they hate the fact that the team moved and they've disowned them. So that's not going to, they're not going to drive up, you know, I 5 to back no, this Let's team. think about this. That Raiders game, was that in Vegas? That last game of the year, was that in Vegas or was that in uh, LA? I can't remember. Well, I guess we can look at my sheet. Yeah. Oh, there you go. All right. So the last game of the year for the Chargers, it was at Las Vegas. Okay, and that's a it's a great game to bring up because normally the last thing I do week one is talk about revenge, but that was a gut punch of all gut punches to knock the Chargers out of the playoffs by the Raiders. That has to be worth half a point to the Chargers. The fact that they just lost to the Raiders, costing them their playoff berth. Line is still three point, almost four. Fast. Yeah. Nothing you say is going to change that. <laughs> bring it back. All right, so let's make sure we've gone over every game, and this will be a little different than most weeks, but I think we were nice and tight here. Um, we, we're going to start doing Thursday, but we'll do it in a different context because we're going to have a show coming out. We don't want to announce it fully, but Scott and AJ is going to be doing something daily that I think is going to be really good. And it's been a little pet project of mine I've had in my mind. And then taking what Scott was doing with his look-ahead show, I think it's going to be a nice melding and, and also a place for... You know, AJ to shine. And the beauty is AJ loves college basketball. So we're going to have college basketball, you know, five, 10 minutes a day at the end of the pod, uh, baseball through the end of the playoffs. So this is going to be for the hardcore fans. Hockey, when that time comes we'll around. Start, you know, what we'll do is we're going to start that show, though, with the broadest topic. So even if you're not a hardcore basketball fan, not a baseball, but you want to hear the biggest story of the day, boom, and then we'll have it so the baseball and the college football or basketballs are at the end and then people can choose if they want to listen or not yeah so okay let's see here ravens jets so my price says 7.3 uh line is seven so jets home field that looks like a little jets value but then the reality is the jets are or the ravens are really good hardball in week one (laughs) Plus 139 points in the last five seasons. <laughs> Four and one plus 139. Wow. Okay. And then and then they got a new DC though that has its disadvantages. Um, 
What else you got on that, Fuzz? Anything? Just the Flacco playing against Baltimore. You know, I don't know who, who that benefits, though. Although they haven't announced anything just yet, Zach Wilson. It's going to be Flacco. Out. Well, let's just say this: if it's Zach Wilson, this line goes to nine. <laughs> you know, I actually think I think it should maybe, but it's going to go to six and a half. I well, th- if it the, does, I, I'm the, mar- the market's going to re- the market's going to react the Ravens. positively oh, yeah. to the Jets getting I, Wilson. But they, I agree with that; they shouldn't. I think the fact that they're even talking about Wilson playing is a terrible sign for the Jets. Why? Like the. You haven't that, had any reps just, in three weeks, but we're but, gonna we're gonna start you instead. First off, they're not gonna start him, but they want to keep the fans excited. They want they want to make it seem right. like the hero's coming back. Come on, guys, you don't think that this is gonna be that game that knocks everyone out of the survivor pools in week one? No, no, it, I don't. It, oh, okay. Well, that is <laughs> that is interesting, Fez. Is this the biggest? So there's there's no spread bigger than a touchdown. There's three sevens. Yeah. So do you want to back Indy? Uh, do you want to back San Francisco, or do you want to back Baltimore? Oh, the, the, you know who I don't want to back is I certainly don't want to back Indy. Even if I don't like that mm-hmm. Houston as much, they can they lose as big favorites as, as more than anyone. That seems fraught with more danger. Yeah. Where, whereas and maybe, San Fran is uh, the highest variance team in the in the whole league because right now. They could win six games, or they could. Well, it's not true anymore because they bench Trey Lance. But if no, but they don't bench, they have a backup. They they could be two and six with Trey Lance, or they could be six and one. But here's the thing: whatever. they won't they won't bench. Listen, them benching Trey Lance is like literally almost like killing yourself metaphorically because you're saying, hey, "What was that article? I didn't get a chance to read it." Coming out about uh, Shanahan and not wanting Trey. Oh, Lance. it was just another article of uh, somebody saying that. So who was it? Mac someone, Jones. But was it someone of consequence? It was someone with a blue check. Okay. And Mackenzie, did you read that? I don't even know what article you're talking about. I only sent it Random to you. Random person with blue oh. check. I didn't want him to think I was, like, trolling him or something. Well, <laughs> the truth is profound, man. Just send the truth. If it's, All right. You know, don't be shy about the truth. It, do, it does seem like Mike Lombardi this week was screaming that he goes, I don't, he goes I'm not even going to debate anymore. I've heard from four different people in the building that uh, Mac Jones was Cousin Kyle's guy. And somehow, he, I don't know, he got bulldozed. Mm. You know, I, I, I love your survivor thought. If you had to pick a survivor, let's assume you're going to take one of the big, the big three. You're going to take Baltimore, you're not going to take San Fran, and you're not going to take Indy, correct? That's not, I mean, I'm not. I agree with Would you. Would you not take uh, Denver either? God, no. Okay. No. Another high-variance game. That's it. Everyone's getting knocked out week one. See, it's funny, though. You know the Ravens are going to have, like, a game. They're, like, 17 or 18. I think if you want to win the whole mother effort, I think you got to pick a team. Like, who's favored here? Washington. Yeah, like, who's favored you, in a way they're You're never going to want Washington the rest of the year. Yeah. You may as well use them there. Yeah, it's one of those things. Are you trying to win or are you trying or to try, survive? Or, yeah, yeah, the utility-wise. I, I do think Washington is a sneaky good survivor play, even though they could lose. Mm-hmm. Because that way you, you, you don't use up any of your good teams. I, that's, I'm thinking the same thing. And if there is a historic upset, it knocks out everybody. Well, it doesn't knock out everyone because there's four, six and a half and higher yeah, yeah, spreads. Yeah. So you need but a you, series. Yeah, you got to. Uh, yeah, you, 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 you need basically all the. I would say the 49ers are probably going to be the highest selected team. I got to tell you, unless the Broncos I'll play. I'll Indy. Unless the Broncos mm. play. Um, I mean, do they play the South? Do they have to play Houston and. Jacksonville, because if not, I wonder how often are the Broncos going to be better than still, six. And- still a road. Yeah, but it's six and a half, six and a half. Yeah, they'll they'll be a they'll be a the minus Broncos 11. do play the South, huh? The Broncos oh. do play the AFC South. Okay, all right. Then, yeah. All right. 
Is that? Oh, okay. Last thing on the Jets Ravens. Um, this this contract situation with Lamar. All right. Odds are they're not going to have a contract. And even if they're trying this week, it's a huge distraction. You ever have your normal work and then you guys you're negotiating some big contract? I mean, it's a that's you on a it. that's you on a daily basis. <laughs> I, it, it, you're it, running a company and yeah, doing a and national show. You, when it is that where I'm having to do both, like intently, it's hard. Yeah, it's just, it is. A, I'll tell you from firsthand experience. It is a very stressful time. So my question is, how do we have to dis, uh, downgrade the Ravens? I often? think you do a little bit. Yeah. Anyone disagree? I don't disagree with that. I mean, I'm a Jets fan, though, so I, right. I always see them. Well, we don't have week. fans here. We didn't talk New Orleans, Atlanta. Well, we're going down in rotation yeah. orders, Steve. Thank you. Saints, Falcons. <laughs> Saints are five and a half. Luck of the draw. And uh, by the way, let's not forget the Saints in the first two weeks of the year are three and thirteen against the spread. New coach, but man, getting a lot of credit for continuing the ways of Sean Payton. Are these the ways going to be continued? Got to keep it in mind. So Marcus May, the safety that was arrested, was listed as the starter on the depth chart that was released the other day. So Clerical error. Oh, that was well, a steal. Yeah. <laughs> so it's fair to assume right now he's playing in this game until there's some sort of NFL punishment and we don't know what the legal process plays out. I think that's important here because the strength of this Falcons team, excuse me, this this Saints team, is their defense, especially that secondary. Well, Lattimore in last year did a lot of man-to-man with uh, the tight end, uh, Mano Block, tight end for the Falcons. Oh, Pitts. Uh, Kyle Pitts. Yeah. yeah. So, and I think he had like two catches in two, in two games. Mm. Like, so... I'm not saying, you know, they got alternatives now, but it, it does seem like that him being an eraser, mm-hmm. Lattimore, uh, is important here. Yeah, but now you got Marcus May and Tyron Matthew. Like, this is an elite defensive secondary. Mm-hmm. And, there's, and this is an example. Line went from three and a half up to five and a half. So this is one of those why. I think just the sentiment of the Saints has increased and I, and I think this is one of those public games that the public's still going to lay it, and it's probably just going to keep leaking up to six or six and a half at post. So far, 75% of the tickets and cash, or 87% of the cash has been on the Saints. The Saints have won the last four matchups at Atlanta uh, by over seven points per match. All right. I don't okay. know why I said match. It just came out. <laughs> match up. Okay, Browns-Panthers. To me, this is a situation. you got a new D.C. in Carolina. And that's a negative in a way. You've got the whole Baker. I mean, Baker's driven by motivate, or he's motivated by revenge, mm. by spite. It seems like it seems like it's, you know, do we? I mean, all joking aside, when's it now? Is his over under passing yards out yet, Fez? Yes. I I wonder how much different would his yards be this week. The next, I mean, is it going to be built into that opener, do you think, that his extra motivation? No. Do you think that's a factor to look towards the over? I think, yes. I think play, playing Baker over makes a whole lot of sense. You would expect a gunslinging performance. And I also that's think what I do. if they do get the lead late and they're up by 10, remember when Burrow threw that one play action against Baltimore to get like 525? yeah. I think you, you could see Baker throwing like a 50-yarder you know, and potentially completing it. And I think that the amount of late yardage you could get from Baker is more than you might think. 3,700. Yeah. 
is oh, wait, he's Vegas talking about for the game. Oh, yeah. for the game. Okay, uh, so that's interesting. Probably like two sixty. But but, let, but let's look at this now. Thirty seven hundred divided by seventeen. Two sixteen. All right. Two sixteen. That's a low number. Okay. Injury. But now, where's Cleveland at defensively relative to an average team against pass D? Now, I've got this from uh, Mike Clay. The Browns were seventh in pass rush last year. Okay. So, let's look at uh, here's the unit grades. Baker for the game. I got it right here. Go ahead. 220 and a half. All right. So, so slightly more than the average. But here's the thing: he's good. the idea of him playing all 17. I mean, there's yeah. go some. So if anything, I, I I don't want to play over 3700, but I'll I'll play over 220. I yeah. mean, anyone who saw Fast Times like at Ridgemont High that, that bet Jefferson yeah. over for sacks knows this is the way to go. <laughs> After the car incident. All right. Now think about this. Now this is what I love as as uh, coming up with stuff as we're talking. Now let's look at the Browns and let's look at their defense. Um, okay. All right, so this is what Mike Clay has. All right, he's got their defensive line. Now, how could this be? Their D-line? Oh, this is the interior D-line, so this doesn't count Miles Garrett. Is the lowest in the league, a .1. Ooh. Now, the edge rushers are 3.9, yeah, right? Okay. That makes sense. Their linebackers, 2.6. Their cornerbacks, almost perfect, 3.9. And their safety, 2.5. So they've got elite, elite, and they got a problem up the middle. So McCaffrey's healthy, right? That's a rare thing. Mm-hmm. And let's look at just defense now. So what they have for defense is a 1.1, and that's about 21st in the league. So they're a below average D. That surprises me. Does it? Yeah, I think the Browns is think, like. Fest? Yeah, surprise. I mean, the the book on the Browns is they got, other than quarterback, they got like yeah. the, one of the best ro- rosters in the NFL. Okay, so let's look at this. Um, remember now, two years ago, their defense, remember that defense that gave up like 40 to the Ravens? Mm-hmm. They, they revamped the whole D. Last year it was kind of good, but it's like you got to wonder how much of that was the rock fights they were in, right? With, with the, the win games, the three well, win that games. Well, that was before, year mm-hmm. before. Yeah, I'm saying right. the fact that Baker was so hurt mm-hmm. that they took tendencies to have these like run. It was like an old school game from 30 years ago, a lot of those games, right? Mm-hmm. Mackenzie, can you look at PFF um, offense, defense? And as we're looking at these numbers, it seems like Cleveland's got clearly an above-average defense. And, and Fez, you're right. When you think about it, we know their offense isn't any good, but the theory was, hey, this team's one of the best teams without quarterback considered. And we know it's not because of their playmakers. <laughs> Though, in a way, the, the running backs are the best in the league. Sure. You can make the case. And they had Amari Cooper. Yeah, yeah, but still, I mean, when you lose OBJ and Adamari Cooper, that's well, maybe for Cle- well, I guess Baker's not there either. But they lost Jarvis Landry as well. Yeah, yeah, but he was aging out. I think. I mean, he, has he even picked up anywhere? He's on New Orleans. Yeah. Oh, he did. Was that a late signing? No. When did they sign him? Was it like back in like April and May? Yeah, around then. Okay. All right. I must admit, I thought he was still on the market. Um, one last thing, because I think, that, or one last thing from this, I think this is funny. If you look at Mike Clay's uh, position rankings for running back, so what he says is, like, what teams have the best running back? It's, there's not one good team at the top of the list. <laughs> or, or, so here's the best. They're, they're saying that, oh, this is actually the best um, uh, running backs themselves. Now I'm going to go to the best teams. Okay, so... Oh, you won't like this. Here's the quarterback projection. Well, you will, I guess. Josh Allen won. He's got 
Mahomes two, Herbert three. Yeah, this is like, a good. This is a good list. Yeah. But see, this is interesting. <laughs> this everyone's is, list. This is fantasy based because he's got Hertz fourth, mm. Lamar five. Yeah. Okay. So, oh, but he projects Josh Allen to run for, uh, and we had talked about this. He projects him running for 678 yards. That's good news for you. Yeah, you got over 525. So that's good. Yeah, uh, you know, you know, one thing that was interesting. We talked about the offenses and defenses. That there's two teams in the NFL with bad offenses and really good defenses: Pittsburgh and Cleveland. Be interesting to see what the total is when they play. We might see a 37, right? Which mm. we rarely see. Well, we've seen a lot. We've seen a lot of lower totals than we thought we would after the first half of last year. And it feels like the defense is caught up with this too high, you know. And now, but now, hey, we should talk about this. The holding penalty is they're, they're supposed to emphasize point it. of emphasis. So where are we going to get the most flags on the line of scrimmage in week one? Because the memo's well, I'd gone take out more than just week one. Weeks one through four. I, I you know, I I bet week one will be the highest though. Mm. I'll give you weeks two and three, and I'll take week one. Well, that is interesting. <laughs> that is interesting. I see. As much as I would bet, I can't bet something that if I did five minutes of research, I would know so much better. Because they had this point of emphasis again, uh, not that long ago. You're right. So we could just look at it and see. Not once, but twice, I think. Yeah. Yeah, The last 20 years. Yeah, I think the uh, Ringer guy was saying that they figured it was about 0.8 points. That, it, that whatever you're doing with your total, you maybe add .8 was the estimate and would account for the, the extra flags. But, the, but the, the question I would ask is how about the, not just the extra flags, but the defense having to like avoid playing physically. Won't that, might, the, might that be the, a double, you know? Yeah, but I, I guess the way they figured the .8 was more results-based than it was, mm-hmm. you know, guess, you know, so I don't know. I don't know. If I don't know, I just, I can kind of pass on some stuff, but I'm not sure. Um, okay, I was just, uh, let's go to the next game. I was just looking for the, that running back list because it was really telling that the, the top, back, the, the top, well, here we go. I got it. All right, so here's the top running backs. Uh, the Cleveland Browns get a 4.0. Right? They're not all that good. Um, the Colts get a 3.9. Not that good. I mean, you know, borderline playoff team. Tennessee gets a 3.6. You guys don't like them. Panthers get a 3.5. They're no good. Uh, Broncos get a 3.4. Oh, Minnesota gets a 3.8. So there's a lot of, like, solid defenses, decent offenses. Mm-hmm. But no one that's threatening to win a title, mm-hmm. really. And um, let me see, Minnesota and then uh, Dallas 3.3, and that's it. And I bet what's interesting, if you look at teams like Buffalo and Kansas City. Uh, so Buffalo is a 1.1. Right. Yeah. The, t- the teams that we think are really good. Well, what about Kansas City's backup running back? Pacheco. Yeah. 0.8 for Kansas City. <laughs> So they got the word. No, they got bad numbers there. <laughs> they don't know about Isaiah Pacheco. They don't know what yet. they're doing. So, but then you look at wide receivers and say, all right, who's got the best wide receivers? Well, Tampa Bay, 3.9. Chargers, 3.4. Bengals, 4.0. Rams, 3.0. Bills. Hold on. Saints, 3.1. Minnesota, 3.5. Dolphins, 3.8. Mm. Arizona, 3.6. Obviously, it's not accounting for the suspension. And Seattle three point three. Hey, where the what are the Raiders? Just out of curiosity. Uh, Raiders two point nine. Wow. Well, they must not like Hunter Renfro. They have not gotten the Hunter Renfro numbers. Now they do have the at. Raiders as one of the highest tight ends. Ravens wow. first, Kansas City second, uh, San Fran third, 
and Raiders fourth. Oh boy, I bet they I bet they fall off the cliff after the Raiders on tight ends. Um, well, no, because you got the Patriots at three point. Raiders are three point six. Patriots are three point five. Really? Mm-hmm. Under Henry. Yeah. And oh, and Jonah Smith. They Falcons three point one. Seahawks three point three. Oh yeah, and the Falcons got Pitts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So. Um, Speaking of that, if we just look at the total power rating based on all these projections, um, number one is Tampa Bay, two is the Bills, three are the Packers, four are the Chargers, five are the Bengals. Where are the Chiefs? Six are the Rams, seventh are the Chiefs. Usually when you have one player that's so key, even as much Mm -hmm. as they're going to high rank a quarterback, it's going to be hard to... Right. I mean, in theory, the, it, really, other than that, what do the Chiefs have? Like, right now, what position group are the Chiefs better? Tight end. Huh? Tight end's the only one. Quarterback okay, and tight end. That's not a position group. That's one player. Uh, yeah. So they have a tight end who is aging fast. Edge rushers. No. Did you say plural? Did you say edge <laughs> rushers? They don't have any good edge rushers. They have one on the inside that they try to bring outside. They had to bring back inside. Right? I, th- I, th- I think their Purdue draft choice is going to be very so good. So just to be clear, Fez, their edge rush. Oh, oh, we're going with draft now. <laughs> yes. Yeah, okay. Karloftis. I thought I've talked Karloftis. you out. Yeah, okay. Um, 1.4 mm. as edge rushers. Never mind. That is not good. about 25th in the league, which that sounds right. So this is interesting. If we look at it, Rams quarterback, or I'm sorry, Chiefs quarterback 3.9, running back 0.8. Wide receiver, 1.0. Tight end, 3.9. O-line, 3.9. So let's give it credit. One of the better O-lines. Defensive interior, 3.0. Because they got that one dude. Not Clark. What's his name? The the good D-lineman? Jones. Yeah. Edge rushers, 1.4. This is now the Chargers. Linebackers, 2.8. Cornerbacks, 1.5. Safety, 1.8. So really, where are they? They're good on the O-line. They got an aging tight end and a good quarterback. And that tight end could, Kelsey could really hit the wall. Know, some of the wall, some fantasy guys are saying, be careful. I'm, that's what I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. I took him in the second round. So I have Kansas City in some of my things, but you really think about it. What's left? I mean, the Tyreek Hill thing, I don't know, man. They're trying to do a Patriots. I don't think they got the, I don't think they got the but mental. But they look good in preseason. Well, there you go. Them and the Jets. And and Chicago Bears with, uh, I mean Justin Fields. Looked Fields great. looked great the last game. He did. You feeling optimistic about? Speaking the Bears? of that, we got San Fran Chicago. All right, so I got nothing on that game. So here's the thing, Trey Lance. What troubles me about him is the idea that last year they had two games he had to start because of injury, and they had no surprises. I thought they would have had something like one play where they reverse field or something where his athleticism. A lot of RPOs, quarterback. Yeah, very. Yeah, but I, I can't judge how many RPOs, but I know he, the, the offense wasn't good. No. Right? So now another offseason, does it give Shanahan ideas? Maybe, but I, I bet them against, I think it was the Rams. What were they, like five or something? Plus five? When, uh, I so, remember the Arizona game. And maybe they uh, lost ten to seventeen. All right, plus so, three at home, right? All right, so Arizona, they were plus six San Fran, and the game was at Arizona, and uh, so Arizona was home lane six, and Arizona won by seven. All right, so that was the Trey Lance game. Yes. And what was the other game against uh, Houston? Week Houston? Okay, and they won twenty-three to seven, and they covered lane fourteen. 
Okay. So, you know, if you go 33 divided by two, you know, 16 and a half. That's two games, right? But there was nothing there I saw that impressed me. So I can't, but I am still a little scared that they do have one trick play. If they get a free touchdown, it changes. All these handicaps are about half points. Right? One, you know, free touchdown changes every handicap. Or right? one pick six yeah. the other way. Yeah, but but that's built into having an inexperienced quarterback. So to me, I'm more down on San Fran's quarterback situation than most because I got no idea. I mean, if you really go back, and this is something that Ryan Rossillo did. He looked at every number one first-round draft choice going back, I think, about 15 years. And it was so – and he was counting what team – what player re-signed with the team that drafted him. Maybe he was doing top five pick, but it was like – it was far less than 50%. At the end of his – So you said as a proxy for success. Yes, it was that second contract with the same team. And you would think off the top of your head, oh, there's like an 80% chance that that quarterback's going to pan out, and it turns out it's less than 50. And if you think about it, the one of the ones that counts positive of that's Cam Newton. Mm-hmm. So in hindsight, it was that a great success? I mean, they made a Super Bowl, but, I mean, moderate success. Mm-hmm. And then let's think about it. Who else is, has it been? And Andrew Luck. So Andrew Luck would... Uh, he certainly signed a second con- All right, so let's, again, it's a funny definition of success, Andrew Luck, yeah, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. But okay. And it's like, if you think about it now, we got Brady, which is old, 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 right? We got Rodgers, old, 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 relative. Like amongst, now we're just starting to see the new guys, right? Which I think it's an amazing crop of quarterbacks. Sure. Uh, Mahomes, Allen, Herbert, I mean. Yeah, Burrow, I mean, and even Watson, if you just look on the field, all very positive. You count Russell Wilson in the old, old, old? No, no, I think he's the one in between. Okay. But he wasn't a top number one pick. No, you're right. Third rounder, you're right. Huh? Third rounder, right? So, and Dak was a, you know, so some, and Kirk Cousins. It's funny how many of these middle-of-the-road quarterbacks, it's like these top five guys are boom or bust. Yeah, right? I guess so, Matt Ryan, old, old, old. Yeah, well, I would say old, but not old. Um, but what was Matt Ryan taking? First, first. Was he first? He sucked at Boston College too. Strange. Matty Ice. Every, all the scouts said yeah, but he had. He like, was great. It was like the Joe Flacco case with him too. It was like NFL body, NFL skill set. You know, like looking at him as like oh, they're saying he was NFL quarterback. They're saying third overall here. Oh, oh, I'm mistaken. Then I thought yeah. Matt Ryan was first overall Me too. You know, I I would I would have I just was gonna say it's like I think I would have went my whole life without knowing he was first. Maybe it was the first quarterback. Yeah, it does. You know, and again, it's no big. Well, he deal. was the same class as Flacco, I believe. In two thousand eight, right? Okay, so I guess the point I'm saying is, I think we can say no matter how you pick a quarterback, if you eliminate the guys that were the once a decade type guys at number one, so let's just say that's Andrew Luck, and and and, and we can say it's Trey Lance or I'm Cam sorry, Newton. No. Oh, I thought that's who you were talking about. No, eliminating no, no. those. No, no, I'm talking about Trevor uh, Lawrence. Lawrence. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, so we'll see what Trevor Lawrence ends up. But Andrew, I mean, it's hard for these guys that are that physically gifted to be bad. Like Vinny Testaverde, as much as we say he was bad, he wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. He threw for a lot. In fact, he's the second most prolific passer after the age of 40 in the history of the NFL. He actually had a lot of good older years. 
he just was a disappointment for the guy that came out that was the perfect quarterback for Miami. You know, a Heisman Trophy winner. Yeah, and, and and but a Heisman Trophy winner with tools. Yeah, right. So did Carr's brother go number one? Who now? Yeah, David but he Carr? also got sacked more than any other yeah. quarterback. He went one first. for what Houston? Yeah, but he yeah. didn't get re-signed by the Texans. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it's like it's fifty-fifty at best. Right. And here's what I don't understand: how the Rams can give up less. For to get Stafford, who was a sure thing to be like, he was a sure thing to be a top 13, 12 quarterback. And I mean, you say his name, he's on one of the other few guys that re signed with his drafting team. And you got to pay him 40 mil a year instead of putting yeah. him on a rookie contract. But, but that's the thing is, is how much is you, oh, you're making a good point. But if now what McKenzie might say is, well, if we hit on Trey Lance and he would say we. Is it would be like 10, 15, 15 years of great quarterback play. Mm-hmm. Except after the first five years, and even the, after the first four, you're paying market for them. Yeah, that's a good point. Now, maybe you're going to get a little less because you've got the, the chance to get the fifth year option. That's why people got really confused, I think, and quickly that the idea of like uh, Russell Wilson didn't get all the money guaranteed. And they're like, how could uh, Watson get it guaranteed, but not him? It's like, well, wait a minute. Watson was a pure free agent, effectively. He was going to get traded, but he he was getting to pick his destination, it seems, as long as they were willing to give enough picks. So now to win that guy, a true free agent, you've got to go over the top with guarantees, with money, whatever. But when you've got what did uh, Russell Wilson had like three years or four years left on his deal. It was like a lot of years. So now to renegotiate it, is the team is saying the soonest you could leave us would be the end of the contract, plus we could still franchise you, mm-hmm. right? So it's like it's like four or five years before he could leave, he has a lot less leverage for any negotiation. And thus, that's why drafting the quarterback helps you get them about 90 cents on the dollar, except Dallas didn't do that with Dak because you can because you'd have to sit through a tag year or a 50-year option and a tag year Right, and maybe even a second tag year before you could really be free. Mm-hmm. I think you're sundowning. <laughs> Possibly. I mean, it's like this is like an important. I mean, like the contract stuff. One thing I think we miss the most is not knowing how hard teams are trying, based upon like like the fact Jacksonville really is trying this year because they got a horrible contract situation next year. So they're going to be losing. It seems like they're going to be losing next year no matter what because they got to get rid of guys. Mm. Which is surprising for a team with a rookie quarterback. I agree. Yeah. So, like, in a way, understanding the, the contract dynamics, I think, and is I was And I was unaware of that. Yeah. So, all right. Um, so, San Fran, other than I, th- I guess my ultimate point there is uh, you gave up so much contractually for potentially four cheap years of a good quarterback. But when, if they thought he was going to have to sit out all last year, would they, is, is that enough to say that you lost 25% of your cheap years and whatever it is for him to become good, it's not like his second year is going to be his second year. It's his first year starting. Now we could say Mahomes learned a lot on the bench I don't know though. Like, does that always happen? Like, Aaron Rodgers was on the bench for three years. Like, if he has his typical first year, even if he's on a decent pace, let's say he's the who was the second best rookie last year that played? Mills. 
he, Mackenzie's trying to talk, but he doesn't press the mic it's, button. It, it, we've discussed this. It's either Mills or Lawrence, depending on which metric. Right, so let's some... say Lawrence, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say that, that this year Trey Lance has a year as good as Lawrence. The second best of like six quarterbacks, right? Yeah, I could just sign Ryan Fitzpatrick. But what I'm saying, now you're two years in. Yeah, I mean, it's replacement the theory, level. The theory is the jump is supposed to happen the second year. But is it the second year of starting or the second year of being on the team? And the, all the value in having these rookie quarterbacks is those first five years. If it goes or beyond the first that. Four, first I mean, four, that fifth yeah. year is pretty expensive. Yeah. I would say it has to be the second year playing. I tell you what, he better play as well as Mac Jones. Did last year. Yeah. It, that, that's, that well, is. I would bet a lot of money he doesn't do that. Then it's a bad, then it's a bad draft. That's, and you're right. I would bet a lot of money. Well, also. it might not be a bad draft. It's just going to be a down season. Yeah, but isn't it a bad draft if you've now lost half of the time that you get him cheap? Yes, if you, unless he becomes a Pro Bowler next year. Think about this. If Josh Allen had his second year when, when people were like, oh, is this guy going to amount to anything? If that was year three, I, I don't know if he would have even – what would have happened? In, I don't know if we would have ever known that Josh Allen had well, this, this year, next year. So his, first, his year one and year two was not good. Right, so I'm saying if like – if if he had let's a bad say year three, let's, let's say. say Trey so Daniel Jones is an example of this. I'm saying if Trey Lance this year is like Josh Allen's first year, year three is like Josh Allen's second year. Now you're three years. In, like, do you? Mm-hmm. What's your commitment to a guy? You might say, well, the year on the bench means something, but you also say this is the least experienced quarterback we've ever seen taking this high. Right. Like the lead, the competition was like guys that are selling used cars right now, hmm. or if that, and and. He had like 300 drawbacks or something. It was the least drawbacks we've ever seen. And if Josh Allen's second year had been his third, would the Bills pick up his fifth-year option? If that, if year two had like been Daniel the best John, he'd done da- in three that's years. That's Daniel Jones. No. Right? Yeah. So, um, and here's the thing, last thing, is if Josh Allen ended up being Kirk Cousins, it still probably wasn't a good deal. I mean, to have one bad year, another bad year, not as bad, and then a Kirk Cousins ask, let's say, 12th or 13th or 14th best in the league, then you got what? One more year cheap of that? Then do, you're in the you whole gotta, Cousins conundrum. You yeah. could have just, just signed Kirk Cousins. And exactly. I think you've you pointed out Josh Allen is one a unicorn. One. He's, it's a transformation for, for that we haven't how, seen. Especially yeah. with Ackers. Yeah. I mean, Fez, you were a skeptic. Oh, completely. <laughs> he couldn't, he couldn't, couldn't complete anything at Wyoming. Now, the Bears are bad. Fields... Obviously, has played better, played well in the preseason. I think that's a good sign. Yep. Um, I actually think I'm kind of fading. Like you guys last week were saying, or two weeks ago were saying, Bears' worst record. Bah, 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 bah. The market is saying you're wrong. It's like everyone that look, and I got to tell you guys specifically, AJ and Scott, Bill Simmons did his entire league review. You guys almost have the exact same teams that he likes and doesn't <laughs> like. I, I was just laughing every time it was like, that's an AJ pick. And he was like, and it was like. So you're saying I, Bill Simmons is a square. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, it's funny, though. When I listen to Simmons, he says at least one thing in an NFL pod that really I think is fresh because he's not afraid to buck. Like he, He's not worried about wise guys, right? Mm-hmm. So he's just saying what he believes. And I think at least once a time, a show, he's like saying something I haven't heard that really I, I rethink, mm-hmm. right? But net, net, there's a lot of square, a lot of teasers. Let's just say that. Um, so let's think about this. Oh, it, he says, Bears, worst team. I can't believe. 
It's like, dude, they're leaving it out there for a reason. Do you think maybe we're getting baited a little bit thinking how bad the Bears are? No. It's just the market's that inefficient. The, the guy that, that loves closing line value so much, the market's that inefficient. The Bears suck. All the right, bear, so the market is inefficient then. The market's inefficient. The market is not pricing enough that the Bears have loser. This is a losing year stamped all over them. And if you just add up the pieces of the players remaining, yeah, they should win six games. But I, I think the attitude of the players is going to compromise them. They're going to win three. I know you won't give me this, and I'm not asking you to, but if I could get plus 120 on like the, the, the even market – like, let's say the market was, uh, what's the market now? Five and a half? One second? Yeah. 5.75. All right. So let's say that was 5.5 just for a second. And I get it. That's been adjusted. But the only way to do this is assume it was going to be no VIG, right? If you get, because if you gave me no VIG and I. RJ, got, you can have 300 under, you can have 300 over five against me. Five. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So you're giving me what's the current? I'm giving you three quarters of a win. I'm giving you an alt total. Oh my god! You're gonna lose. Is all you want is three hundred? Yes. Now this is Fez. This is Fez going again. Now whenever you go against your like obsession with value, it usually hurts you. Yeah, this one's not gonna hurt me. All right. So if I go three hundred's good. So I break even at five. Three hundred is the bet. I love it. No vig. Fez, this is almost like your break. I mean, like, do you feel do you you feel kind of remorseful with that that that, that emotional out like lashing out? I'm sweating out the end of a WNBA game, so perfect. Yeah, I'm, I mean, well, not, I'm maybe not at my A, a game. Favor. Do me a favor. If you win it, put aside three hundred dollars <laughs> and then don't feel bad. You know, if sure. you lose it, it could be like a spiral that never ends. Chasing it. Downward spiral. All right. Nine inch nails. So no, I got no action on Sam. Anyone want Sam anyone want San Fran action? Nope. I don't not like it. And let's be honest, they probably want to make a statement if they can. I was gonna say I lean maybe first half. Look like last year they jumped out to that twenty eight point lead over the Lions before they let that completely slip away and you said it. They want no, to make. A, they point. want to make a statement, right? I think so. So I think they actually start out fast. See, I would say in game. I think the better thing we're doing, Fez, you're the master at this. Go ahead. Yeah, you, what RJ is going to say is play the end game more of the same. Watch what happens in the first quarter yeah, because we don't know how good Sanford. If, if Lance looks good, they're just going to crush him. I think so. Actually, I, I think that's sage. <laughs> that's a good word. Now, um, I got another theory. It's a little highbrow here. I'll say it quick, Fez. So I believe there has to be a consequence to not playing in the preseason. But somehow the advocate of that, I mean, McVeigh. Rams, yeah. 5-0, first game of the season in his career. Even those guys never play in the preseason. And the ATS margin is quite good. It's all good, Sure. Right? Okay. So then I'm thinking, how do they do in the first quarter? Do they start a little bit slow? Should, right? How do they do in the first half? Well, McKenzie did the work here. It was two and th- they were three and two in the first quarter and first half. So they were five and zero, oh, but three and two only there. Okay, that's still pretty good. Yeah. So then I'm thinking, well, who else has this? Right? We got Lafleur, and we've got um, oh the the dude from the Chargers, Chargers. Staley. Okay. So now with them, they are like uh, four and one in the games. So together they're like nine and you yeah. know nine or ten and one. But they're one and three in the first quarter and first half. They start slow. Mm. They start slow. So now my thought is not. I think we hedge it. 
Like we do like a true hedge fund. We bet opposites. Now the problem is how do you bet the second half? You know, right? Do you bet half on the third quarter, half on the fourth quarter? But if I could just make a second half bet, is I would say fade them, the, you know, fade the Chargers and fade Green Bay first half and play on them second half. And yeah, you're going to split out a lot, but I think I'm going to scoop it more than I'm going to get scooped. Yeah. And what I really like about that is I, I got to be honest, pulling back the curtain a little mm-hmm. bit. When pros see a three point favorite, Oftentimes, what happens in the first quarter line? Minus a half. And I can tell you, you have to be out of your mind to lay that minus a half. The plus, if you blindly bet, I'm just confident of this, mm-hmm. if you blindly bet the plus a half first quarter on a three-point dog, you'll make money. And, and the theory is because there's so many ties in the first so quarter. So many ties. All right, so let's think about that. So you're saying it's advantage dog, which is advantage us and the, the Raiders in the first half. So you're saying you like that anyway. First quarter, first for, quarter. First quarter. So maybe we do a situation, we do first quarter only on the positive side and then uh, for the raid or the negative side, I guess, of the Chargers, Chargers. and then positive side. Now, can you bet? You can't bet second halves before. No, it you cannot. It makes no sense to me. You can bet third and fourth quarters right. at a so few shops. Not a lot. Not a. It's, it's pretty rare. But okay. A few places so are. I think what I think what we do. I'm not I think laying a half. Through, I think we. Oh, that's interesting. Forget that. All right. So you'd run in the same thing. Yeah. Okay. So you can bet second half at uh, on DraftKings. That's DK, right? You can bet second half. Oh, really? <laughs> That's yep. what the cool kids say. Uh, so, so, like, what's the second half of uh, Green Bay? Or, I'm sorry, let's look at the Chargers. Chargers? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, let's go. Down. So, what would you be happy with, Fat? The so number, it's like three and a half. The number right? should be one and a half. One and a half. So, it's like it's three? Chargers minus one and a half. So, what do you think of that? Plus yeah. one and a half in the second. What's the money line? Oh, I'm is sorry. There, we're is, laying one and a half in the second. Is there a money line? Can I lay minus, minus 140? Minus 150. Hmm. Well, you said one and a half. I mean, dude, yeah. everything isn't perfect always. Well, it's not a matter of it being perfect. It's, but one it, and it's a, half a matter of betting perfectly. Number. It's not a good number. It, even if it is a good number, the minus 135 would have been a better number. I was well, hoping yeah, they had a cheap money line. But they didn't. Better. It's minus 150, which is not a nearly as good. So I like the minus one half. I like that. And so, you wanted to know the Packers as well? Yeah, but what I'm saying is, just to be clear, I'm not saying you shouldn't have wanted the better line. Yeah. I'm saying it made you like grimace, but it's like you're defaulting to a fair line. Minus one half's good. Yeah, yes. It's a fair line, right? Yes. And and is it minus, real quick, and you're real good, is it minus a half in the first quarter? First quarter for the Chargers? Yeah. Because okay. if so, that's a beautiful... It'll be a little vague. It'll, it'll be like plus a half, late dollar thirty. And you would find that acceptable? Oh, yes. Chargers first quarter minus oh, one. Oh, yes. What? Go ahead. Minus one. Minus one at plus 105. Whoa. Plus one lay... One minus one twenty five for the Raiders plus one. So yeah. that's even better. It's even better. It's not that much better. I get it, but it's one, one, one miss yeah, extra it's point. Better, it's yeah. only one miss extra point. Seven six. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So it's better, right? Yeah. It's better. Damn. Yeah. So you like that? You want to you want to put yeah. a, a little seal of approval on that? That's got my absolute seal of approval. So let's look All at right, Green guys, Bay. I'll drive to Arizona. <laughs> let's look at Green. Let's look at Green Bay real quick. All right. So the Packers against the Vikings is. Let's see. Now, we got the hit man. So when he's doing that, let's go to the hit man. And he's got 
a total Sunday night football. Sunday night football. Bucks Cowboys. Let's listen. Best bet. Buccaneers Cowboys under the 51. Like it down the 50. Both offenses are dealing with injuries and lack of continuity going into the season. Tampa dealing with the loss of Rob Gronkowski, as well as three of their starting interior linemen from last season. A wide receiver, it's more likely than not that Chris Godwin isn't ready for this game. And Russell Gage and Mike Evans are dealing with training camp injuries. Lastly, Todd Bowles has been open about Tampa wanting to run the ball more this upcoming season. Dak Prescott, he's not only going to be without Amari Cooper, but also Michael Gallup. Their replacement, James Washington's out for this game, leaving the Cowboys thin at wide receiver. Plus, we all know about the injury to Tyron Smith. Tampa's defense blitzes at the highest rate in the NFL, and Dak's yards per attempt dropped by a full yard last year when he was blitzed. Best bet, Tampa, Dallas, under the 51. So under 51 right now, key number. Um, that's what he came out with. Now, to me, Dallas O-line problems, Huge. Tampa Bay O-line problems, but we got a total of 51. I like that just there. Yeah, you know, this is, I agree with you, and this is one of the strangest line moves because this total was 53, got bet down to 50, and it ticked up to 51 today. 51 key number, 27-24. Getting the 51, I would have bet a lot of money you would never see that 51 mm -hmm. again. Although it is a Sunday night primetime game, mm -hmm. so you might get, we talked about this, those primetime, especially week one, you might get some crazy high team totals on that game, like 27s, 24s. See, I wonder, is the public money getting bigger in a way that we don't understand yet? I think it is. Because if it is, it means all this, all these $5,000 sharps, which that's real money. One guy bets 50, it takes 10 of them, at least when it comes to balancing your book. Exactly. Like Circa, for example, I, a dude walked up a college football second half. And he bet like he. You probably heard the story. He bet yeah. he, someone. He bet one hundred fifty thousand something at one. It was like he, an eighty thousand. Then he rolled over the ones. Yeah, he oh, just no. he, he cast his ticket. He said, "Yeah, give me three hundred thirty thousand Air Force second. I mean, just, just some generic college football game, right? Do you yeah, remember was, which one? Was, I think it was. Uh, yeah, it was eighty thousand. It was um, oh, uh, not a marquee yeah, game. It was, it just was a, a just yeah, a game. But, but, but late the, night game, San Jose State the, or something like here's that. Here's the thing. Oh, Vandy. He bet like three hundred thousand on Vandy That's second what it half. Was. Vanderbilt second half. Yep. Is it possible they didn't have another bet on that? I mean, like what I'm saying, why are they taking eighty? Because well, first of all, I give them credit on everything. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, now you've always believed someone does this, they that they're going to get knocked out. Remember, I mean, there's been uh, numerous people. It's come to town and try to do the, in a way the pinnacle can model. Cantor, so, yes. Yeah, well, but then there was the place that got, that used to be back on Paradise that got you know. Uh, they King, lasted like Sport six, of Kings with. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I, I wasn't here at the time, yeah. but there's been numerous others that have tried this and tried to book sharp, and it just hasn't worked. Yeah, like and and a small scale um, example was Casino Monte Lago, a little hole in the wall place in Lake Las Vegas. Decide, oh, I'm going to deal minus 105 in football one football season. Well, guys descended from the rafters they had never seen from before, and they got <laughs> murdered at $1,000 bets minus 105 because, you know, the wise guys just, just picked them clean. And, and I think that Circa has some of the most – I think Chris and Circa, and I don't know what's happening at Pinnacle, you know, as things evolve, but I think Chris and Circa probably have the two most uh, talented roster of bookmakers – Lines makers, guys that are, would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. And, and Circa's just added huge to their bench. They brought in 
um, Bogdanovich. Bogdanovich, and they brought in, you know, um, uh, Ricky Bocelleri. So these guys are very well respected, both sides of for the counter. For sure, for sure, boy. So it's almost like between the South Point and that, it's like it's like every old bookmaker in town. You, you've got the entire um, mm-hmm. sports betting Hall of Fame, which for some reason is just nothing but bookmakers, not sports bettors. But that's a different story. Yes. Oh, poor well, we're, Faz. We're getting, uh, are you think, hoping? Uh, are you hoping to get in the Hall of Fame, Faz? I'm, I'm, the Hall of Fame is in your bank account. Yeah. The, if you really care. That Frank mean, B said it. That you said what you just said. We we keep track one way in our wallet. That's that, the way. Well, we you keep apparently it. don't. You're like whining. <laughs> you aren't the first, the inaugural member of the Hall of Fame. Hey, what he wants you to say. Your Hall of Famer in my book. <laughs> the funny thing is, if Fez really, if we got him drunk on white wine, is what, what, who would be a but? He'd be like, okay, uh, Jimmy the Greek. Yeah, okay, he can be ahead of me. And then like, I'd be so funny to hear your internal dialogue. It'd be like. Well, I don't know. Was was he? Uh, I'm having a medal. The the Stardust guy, the guy that the casino is based off of, uh, Frank oh, Rothschild. Yeah, Rosenthal. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we'll kind of put him in. He was yeah. a good batter. <laughs> uh, he was a bookmaker, but he was a bad. And then that it, Bob Martin guy he set the well, line yeah, for he, the entire but he's not world. A bat. I mean, he yeah yeah. But that's a whole other thing, right? Yeah. They got odds makers in there, right? Yeah yeah. Yeah, you're saying batters. I I just Billy think, Walters, Frank. I think Billy Walters belongs in the bed. You know the sport. Think about this. But you're not. Worried about Billy. You're worried RJ, about Steve Fazzi. RJ, think about this. In the poker hall of fame, guess who they have in? Poker players. They don't have poker managers. Not they dealers. don't have poker no administrators. Doesn't, doesn't, they don't have poker dealers. This seems self serving. <laughs> Completely. That's not a good look. Not a good you think, look. AJ? Yeah. But let me ask you a question. Now you know him a little bit. Are you uncertain that he's that he would that list would be? I'm so not fascinating. even remotely uncertain. Uh, no. How fascinating would that list be? Yeah, I mean, it would be like there'd be some superstars right below Steve Fazek. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I do like this hitman play a lot. Makes complete and utter sense. Agreed. Yes. All right, good stuff. Remember, you can get the well. You know something? Let's do a commercial right now because we got another commercial. We'll do at the beginning uh, on a freebie for everyone. And that's going to be Ooh, yeah, like real simple. So this is simple. It's kickoff time. It's time for the shenanigans are over. Oh, do you bet preseason? Don't you bet? If you're going to bet NFL, you know these are the, I mean, if it's Fez, the hitman, you go through the list, Dave Esler, almost a decade now with the longtime guys of winning, okay? Every pick documented, every, every pick ever made, documented okay so that could be enough no discounts but i'm being forced contractual obligation to give you a coupon code kickoff now that's a good coupon code that's k-i-c-k-o-f-f kick off all one word 20 percent off you can use it once it's good through monday all you do is go to pregame.com click buy picks now one especially noteworthy thing we've got is the dream, this was a dream pod, the dream combo, the best NFL handicapper, I think, in the world, Steve Fezzik, certainly the best at pregame and anyone selling their picks. I don't even think it's a contest, you know, where you can actually get their actual picks. You know, some guys would give you, they go on shows and give you one pick here and one pick there, and it's like pulling teeth. Mm. And I'm not saying they, they're obligated to give everyone away, but they don't give it to anyone under any circumstances. So is that cool? Yeah, if selfish is cool, that's cool, <laughs> right? But 
Fez knows he can get down what he And now the question is, why wouldn't you sell your picks? Well, it's because you think you're going to bet so much. And usually that's going to be someone partnering with someone, right? So they say, I'm going to bet my five dimes or whatever. You guys can bet 50. I'll take 10% of the win mm -hmm. or whatever, right? Uh, but that the, 50 dimes probably going to move the market early in the week. And thus what they obsess over is that. And you know what? It, the question is, would you rather deal with that or would you rather deal with customers? Well, the beauty is pregame deals with the customers. Steve just gets to give us winners and it's a hell of a deal for everyone. Right, Steve? You love it's, it. I love, we it. love it. I we mean, love and, it. And you weren't sure when, I mean, it's been almost 10 years, but like you knew you wanted to make money, but you didn't want to be dirty. You didn't want to do things. If anything, you've gotten cleaned up. Oh, completely. I mean, <laughs> because Steve was always honest, but he would try to do like bombastic things to get attention. Now you don't need, now you just got to give us winners. That's, that's all. That's all. A good insight. Now, we know that with Steve, how good he is. AJ, the best three-year record at pregame of anyone. Better than Fez, better than McKenzie, who never made a college pick. Doesn't matter. Now, Scott's a specialist. Had a bad week last week. Can't lie. But he loves college, too. You guys on the pod, all you got to do is listen. You know you know what you're talking about. Now, you went... Two and two last week. Two and two on the pod picks. And wh how was your late tele or your all access stuff? Uh, it was two and four. Oh my gosh! But I I my I hit my two biggest plays. Okay, but still two and four is not good. I know. But the week the first week four and zero. Okay, so I like that. Just overall, I like that. All right, let's keep it going. Now here's the beauty of it: you can get AJ for college and Fez for pros together for the same price as AJ for college. And NFL or Fez for college and NFL. So here's the question: Who's better at college, AJ or Fez? Fez is shockingly good at like better than you think, but it's AJ specialty. Who's better at the NFL, AJ? Or, well, Fez. That's why it's a dream. There you go. Same price. You can use coupon code. Kick off with that. And if you wait, every day you wait. It's not getting cheaper for a while. It's going to be weeks. So it's like you literally just are saying, I'll take less picks. I'll take less mm. picks. Why? Don't. Kick off. Go. You got that buy order. What, what would Gecko say? Don't screw it up. Right? Didn't he remember he gave Oh, yeah. Did start, bu start, start buying up Anacott Steel. Use the offshores and keep it quiet. Okay. You don't have to keep this quiet. <laughs> Tell a friend even. Do everything else. Go right. to work. Oh, yeah, go, that was it. Go to work. That's it. All right. What do we got? Anything else? Monday night. My, oh, we got the Tampa Bay game, too. What that Viking second half. Oh, go ahead. Let's get that straight. Packers minus one. Okay, so Packers are – okay, now that's interesting. It's plus 110. I don't like laying one. Minus one, plus 110 like pick them. That's pretty close. But let's see now. Green Bay is favored by, like, what, one and a half. What should it be? And what's the first quarter? First quarter is Packers minus one plus one thirty-five. So minus fifty-five. Is it minus fifty-five or sixty? For the Vikings, plus one minus one fifty-five. I think we'll do better. Let's wait. Okay. So interesting concept. See about the execution. Let's talk Tampa. We're down in the last couple of games. Tampa or last two. Tampa, Dallas. Line is two and a half minus fifteen. It's gone ticked up recently. We talked about has Tampa Bay been we've been pro or con 
uh, or the sentiment doesn't feel like the Brady shenanigans have gotten as much attention or at least as much negative attention as I think they deserve. What else matters with this game? I think Dallas, the O-line issues with Dallas and losing Cooper, I think Dallas is just overrated. If I, if I, I don't want any part of Dallas, even though the numbers are saying, my numbers now say there's some value with Dallas. So the market says two points, Tampa's better on a neutral. Brady historically mm. is fantastic. And now Tampa's laying two on, on the road. Yeah, so that's or two and a half. So there's value with Dallas, but I'm, you know what? Unless I get three, this is where you're scared. This is where you're scared to play the unpopular team. I am very scared. You'd rather lay it with the Chargers than do this. Yes, I don't like that. Mm. Brady six and zero all time versus Dallas. Fourteen touchdown passes in those six games. But what is it? Here's the question. Last year counts Mm -hmm. for me, but after that, when's the last time he played Dallas? Right? I don't even know. Let let me go. Can I go Tampa team total under twenty-seven? I think we're going to get a twenty-seven. I like that bet. I want to fade the Tampa offense. Here's the thing you had to realize. When we have a pick pod, it's not Mm. saying here's some pick that maybe (laughs) you might be able to get this number. That's a a valid way to approach it, but it's a very different pod, right? You got people that are all thinking, well, I'd rather have a 30% chance at a winning play. It's a complete pass for me. no one's forcing it, you. Did anyone force you to have a pick on it? I'm the same way. Like if I if you said write down the teams you want to fade early in the season, Tampa and Dallas are right on my list. So the fact that they're playing each other, I I, I can't find which kid I hate more right now. Which kid? Yeah, it's like when you somebody's got to win. When you're mad at your kids, you got to take one of their sides. It's like, ugh, I don't even want to talk to either of you right now. So AJ's sharing that at times it's how much he hates one kid versus yeah. the other. Yeah. They don't listen to the pod. No. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I don't know. I kind of like Dallas here. It just feels like that one, both teams have gotten about an equal amount of bad news. And one team, the markets like affected it where Dallas has been downgraded significantly and Tampa hasn't. Mm -hmm. So, or like not enough. So does, this is the tough bet to make. This is why I, you know, there's certain bets to know if you're a real wise guy. Like you got to be willing. The numbers say you got to be willing to bet Dallas. Now it's the two. And I agree, and and I'm not sure. I don't wait though. Oh, we wait three, for the asymmetric. I mean, it's asymmetric, yeah. and it feels like it's moving that I think way. That's your word. I love that. Yeah, word. it is moving that way. Yeah, is that how you say it? Well, minus two yeah. and a half, minus one fifteen for the Bucks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. And we've talked these teams through. Uh, obviously, we got Tampa who has an o, had a good O-line last year, and now they're replacing more than three or uh, three or more linemen need replaced. That has been a disaster for the season win total and not good early either. Mm-hmm. I also think you have to include the tight end when you talk about the offensive line. That makes sense. Because Except gr- these days the tight ends don't block. But they do. For, some do, some do. Yeah, and Gronk – you know, was a decent blocker. Oh, Gronk was a great yeah. blocker for and a guy that could receive like him. So to lose him as well, it's not just oh, the a good, three pieces on the offensive point. line. It's like losing another offensive lineman. That is a good point. I mean, we waited the whole pod, and he just fired <laughs> out. Seven. Tampa Bay under 27. This was, this was, this was the, hey, that's a, ten, that's a, that's a 10th inning home run right there. Uh, that was good. Yeah. Uh, we might end on that. All right, we got one more. Don't say anything else. That's it. No. no that was good, actually. Broncos Seahawks, six and a half it's up to. Open three and a half. This seems like you got to look at Seattle sentiment to me. Uh, you got a new DC for the Broncos, new coach. 
new DC for the Seahawks, even though they have the same coach retained. And it looks like they changed their green dot. That's very important. Go my ahead. initial lean was Broncos, and I pictured, I pictured in my head, oh, I'm going to sit down and say, I like the Broncos. And you're going to go, oh, well, that's they, square. Well, you should have the guts to be square. And, but, and say, I don't care what people but think what about it did was, I mean, it made me, or whatever. It made me dig in a little bit deeper to it. And it, it, like, right. make, I, sure you don't, make sure your fear of my wrath doesn't stop you right. from playing the plays you want to play. I think last week was an indication that it, I'm, I'm not totally scared. How square is that play, though, Fast? Yeah, it would be pretty square. square. I, I'm, I make it, I make it uh, four and a half. And that's Wait, on a neutral? No. I, I, make it, I make it six and a half on a neutral. All right, so we got, and the market says eight. And interesting. And Seattle, I'm not even giving that, and I should give Seattle probably 2.75 yeah, yeah. per home a, field. And you know they're going to be rocking. Oh, here. completely. So, why? Let me ask you a question. So, your power ratings come out to what exactly? Four and a half. And that's just giving two right. for a home field. So, really, so it's, there's so two it's, points of value, but two you'd rather play the Chargers. Like, no, why I know. won't you play Seattle? Because you're scared. I'm not fucking scared. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna play Seattle. It's just I'm hoping for a seven. But because it, does, it's it doesn't Monday. matter. I know it doesn't matter. Here's, here's what I'm saying. Right now, what are your five best picks? Seattle's one of them. Then why wasn't it on your list? Because I'm waiting for seven. But but you understand for this pod, all we can do is right. pick these lines. Yeah, I understand that. And would have the best chance of winning. All right. Well, I'm I'm deleting the Chargers, which minus three no longer exists, and I'm replacing it with. You see my point? Even yes. if you think it was a better Seattle line, plus six and a half. It's just like in the super contest. The market might be, um, let's say four. You're getting three and a half on the dog you like. Now you might hate that, but the question is: Is it one of the five best picks? Of course it is. It, is it or isn't it? But if it of, is, you include of it. Course you don't it. Belly ache about it. Should have of been course a four. it is because, like back in June and July, when you asked me about this game, the line was four. I wasn't like, oh, I, I want to lay four with Denver. You know, oh, AJ would if he would have looked, he would have been like saying, no. take off no, the rubber band. No, he passed. He didn't look, and he passed, and now he wants to lay six. Now, Scott, are you going to chance your good your Homer to end things with anything? Oh, he just, he just <laughs> did a go into silence. <laughs> All right, guys, now this week, the College Pod comes out after us. It's a great listen. And these guys are great. I mean, they are two professional broadcasters that know college football. You don't get that on many pods. Check that out. And then next week, it's going to be flipped. They'll be first, come out, tape Tuesday, out overnight Tuesday. We tape Wednesday, out overnight Wednesday. All right, let's think. That's it. Fez, take us out. Hey, hey. Let's be careful out there. Mm, a little too affected, but hey, we can't, we did it. I hope no one gets hurt because of that. <laughs> See you next week. 